0: me a go no go for launch
1: just when you think you're out they pull you back in i was gonna say something that was not true
2: i i don't know why we do these let's make film history
1: we are go for launch welcome back everybody to the almost sideways podcast we are so glad you're joining us we took a week off but we're back had some stuff going on last weekend, uh, but we're happy to be back with episode 199. If you've Almost made it this far,
2: just go one more episode, bitches, okay? You're so yeah. close.
1: We, we may have to talk about uh, what we're doing for our next episode, uh, at the end of
2: the podcast as we uh, as we like prepare for that on air or off air because on I air. Think- Uh, yeah that's what i'm saying absolutely let's let's air our dirty laundry get the people excited we've had way too many discussions about it we should let let the let the public decide get it in the library discussions
1: and did we really end up on the best choice i don't know
2: but i I think we're going for it i don't know what our choice was actually
1: (laughs) (laughs) all right well we are recording this on sunday november 20th 2022 at 3 p.m pacific time i'm terry we got Todd and we got Zach. Any uh any degenerate news from
2: the from the week the couple weeks that were Well, I already lost in the World Freaking Cup. I mean, you think it's in Qatar? You think the Qatar team would show the hell up today? What happened? Yeah, they were
0: like Kansas the other day against southern Utah. Like what was that about?
2: Yeah, I don't know. I just know don't bet the United States, okay? I know Xander Cage would re- reel his head in horror with his Patriot uh, parachute, but bet <laughs> Wales, man. All in on Wales, baby. All the way. I love how, don't, don't you love how Wales is like the size of Delaware and they've got way better athletes than we do on the soccer field? I mean, that's just great.
1: I saw that today uh, Nebraska men's basketball was losing to Arkansas Pine Bluff at halftime yet still covered at the end the 18 of yeah. right the game.
0: Yeah, I saw that. Uh Nebraska ball is isn't a weird place right now. Yeah. I won the other day betting against UW against uh, against Cal Baptist. That was uh that was easy money. Does uh does does Hoyberg make it to Christmas? Yeah, I mean they're like 4 and 1. That's the best start they've had in like forever. That's
2: true. That's isn't true. a? that isn't that a um And plus they beat Kanye Maine. Song. Maine
0: beat Boston College. So the, the, we were ranked like number 9 in the in the VPI <laughs> like after 3
2: games. Okay, okay. Is that that's a Kanye song, right? We can make it to Christmas. I think it's a song where he was with Kim Kardashian on the motorcycle.
1: I have no idea. I don't know either. I, I don't I don't listen to Kanye West songs.
2: Okay. I shouldn't admit that I do either.
1: (laughs) All right. Well, uh, make sure you are subscribing, you are rating, you are reviewing. Uh, Wherever you find your podcasts, we're everywhere that podcasts are. The more you, uh, you subscribe, the more you rate, the more you review, the more people can find us, and the more people can listen and enjoy this lunacy that we call a podcast. Uh, Zach,
2: what are you drinking today? I'm drinking some Sierra Nevada Pale. I really wanted some vodka because there's the line, everything's all right with vodka. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I don't get to say that, but it's in my heart. Uh... Shout uh, out to some truly great lines in this movie. I feel like I wrote down more lines of dialogue from this movie <laughs> than you know, Goodfellas. I mean, this is this is maybe the most quotable movie of all time. Yeah,
1: the, I, I that was one of the takeaways the I had quote, from it too. The, the real quote of the kind of movie. Yeah,
0: I mean, we, not only do we have Trejo, but you know, <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, but I, I felt like the this is a movie that just tried to get a catchphrase, and instead of like knowing what it was, they just tried on like thirty of them. <laughs> And just the... threw them out at different times throughout the movie.
0: <laughs> exactly.
1: <laughs>
2: I mean, it's a two thousand, uh, early two thousands action movie. What more can you uh, hope absolutely.
1: for? Absolutely. Uh, this is gonna be fun. All right, Todd.
0: I'm drinking some wine. It is the uh, pecorino from Saladini Pilastri. and it's got a little lamb on the uh, the bottle. It's light. It's a. Uh, it's actually really good. I'm not really the biggest light wine fan, but.
2: Cheers.
1: Very nice, very
2: nice. I didn't know that Pinots could be white. Grigio. Oh, Grigio. Isn't that isn't what Jack it, says? This isn't Pinot. It's the okay. Pecorino. Yeah. Oh, excuse me. Got the wrong red. key. It yeah. sounds kind of like Pinot. No, Jack
1: says, Jack says, why are, why are some wines white and why are some wines red?
2: No,
0: no. Isn't I that mean, was, he, he has white... He's like he's like it's Pinot so why is it what so
2: why isn't it red or something like that. Oh, okay. Now we need to we need to do our due diligence here. We're butchering the line. God damn it. Have we been Are we off just going to deep
1: dive long? sideways again next week. <laughs> yeah, we
2: <probably> <laughs> it's been in discussion. It's
1: All right. Probably, yeah. So I went to the grocery store today to pick up a beer for the podcast and I had my daughter with me and so we go down the beer aisle and uh and she looks over and says, "Get the one with the wolf on it." So, uh, I was like, okay, I'll do that. So, this is Breakside Brewery. Uh, it is their Wanderlust IPA. Really, I wanted to get a triple IPA, but the store didn't have a triple IPA because triple X, triple IPA. Mm. I thought that would have been fitting, but I couldn't find one.
0: And Wanderlust, the movie with like Paul, Paul Ralph Kilmer.
1: Paul Rudd and Val Kilmer, that'd be a hell of a movie. I don't
0: think Val Kilmer's in it. <laughs> isn't, this, Jennifer is, or something. isn't that the
2: one about John Holmes?
0: No, that's uh,
2: uh, Wonderland. Wonderland, yeah. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah, never mind. Interestingly enough, there was a Hulu movie this week called The Wonder. There was. Did anybody watch that? That's a nice segue. I don't think any of us watched it, though. I'd be surprised. I, I, did. I didn't watch it. No. Sebastian Lelio. I did not
1: watch it. My wife watched Disenchanted, though. There a were a lot of good... There were a lot of movies that came out this weekend, like streaming and and in theaters. So I'm sure we'll talk about some of them here. Because now it's time to talk about what we've been watching. And uh, let's, let's start with Todd. Uh,
0: I watched uh, the Eric Appel movie from this year. It is called Weird, The Al Yankovic Story. Ah, yes. As it says in the opening credits, it is the completely unexaggerated and totally true story of Weird Al Yankovic. Daniel Radcliffe plays Weird Al, and uh, the initial production photos of him were like Daniel Day-Lewis and Lincoln or something. It's like the hype was ramped out of control just because of the photos. he gets the vibe, and he's really, really good in this. It it actually, he's, uh, and Weird Al is actually in the movie as like a record producer. Uh, But it, it tells Weird Al's story and embellishes in like hilarious fashion. It's essentially like hero worship, in the type of parody way that Terry and I love essentially walk hard. It's basically a remake of walk hard. Uh, we get some like tremendous, for. <laughs> tremendous cameos like Evan Rachel Wood is an extended cameo as Madonna, who is like leeching off of Weird Al's popularity. They, they actually even portray Eat It as being like the, the original and Michael Jackson's Beat It being the uh, parody song. <laughs> that That is the level of, um, of an embellishment we get here. Uh, we get uh, Jorma and Akiva are playing Pee Wee and Alice Cooper for some reason. Um Conan O'Brien's playing uh Andy Warhol. There's like a ton of these cameos that are all at a pool party that is basically a shot-for-shot remake of Boogie Nights. Uh the movie is it's something. Um th- th- there's a lot of like early childhood scenes that don't entirely work. They're not boring, but they really I don't think we need to go back that far. It's um it's definitely funny. It is almost off-puttingly and frustratingly smug at the same time. Like it has a really, really strange sense of humor. It almost needed like Will Ferrell as, like, a manager or something like that. I'm really surprised he actually wasn't in the movie. But uh, Weird Al is the writer of the movie. It's the directorial debut of the director, Eric Appel. And, um, yeah, it is. It's definitely weird. And uh, I'm giving it two and a half stars. I couldn't quite get there. It's available on Roku, which is, like, completely free. You don't need a Roku. It's just, like, Tubi, which they're not making that clear anywhere when they're doing press for the movie. Like, you do not have to pay anything for this movie. It is free on your TV. But yeah, weird. Two and a half stars.
1: I want to see this movie so bad. I, I just haven't gotten to it yet.
2: Yeah, when, <laughs> whenever anyone says Roku, I think of the, the self-propelling vacuum cleaner. But I think that's a Roomba. That but is a it Roomba. would be fascinating to watch a movie on a vacuum cleaner. I don't think Jesse Pinkman ever said Roku. So <laughs> That's true.
1: <laughs> Valid point. Valid point.
2: All right, Zach, what'd you watch? All right. I have a few things I want to talk about. Uh that was the only thing you watched the last two weeks, man. I mean, I feel like I mean, that's what I I feel like there's probably a treasure trove buried there. I mean, I've, I've i watched
0: a bunch of stuff, but yeah, that was one I wanted to I knew none, none of you were gonna talk about that movie. That's true. I
2: don't watch movies on my Roomba. Uh the movies that I want to talk about are a few. Uh first of all, I wanna call shout out two really good documentaries that I watched. Um one documentary I actually saw when I was in St. Louis. I was in um, the Holy Land this past weekend. And I actually went to a screening of a documentary called Storm Lake. Um, and the director was actually there. Her name was Beth Levison. And I actually got some merch from it. See here. I, I know we're not supposed to endorse things on the, on the Almost Sideways podcast. But uh, I'm a big fan of this movie. And they only paid me off a little bit. Uh, this is a really good documentary um, that is... Uh, about a small town newspaper in Iowa called the Storm Lake Times. And Storm Lake has about like maybe 5,000 people. It's like a little town in Western Iowa. And randomly they won the Pulitzer Prize in 2017. So it got some notoriety. But the movie takes place, the documentary takes place in 2019. And it kind of at the first part of the movie kind of shows the struggles of this small town newspaper to survive. And the guy's name is Art Cullen. And he kind of looks he kind of looks like Bruce Dern in Nebraska. You know, you got to kind of got that vibe there. And he smokes all the time. He's an old school journalist. Uh, But then, um, you know, the movie shows the chaos of the Iowa caucus. And I feel like that's what the filmmakers wanted to show, like in the early in early 2020. And then COVID happened and it made the movie entirely different. It's really fascinating. It's a portrait of journalism you know, an analog versus digital form, uh, you know, somebody who's kind of progressive in this red community. There's a lot of t- stuff about uh, migrants and illegal immigrants in this community. There's kind of a lot of far right fears and this guy who's defending the only free pe- press in the town. It's a really cool documentary. It actually aired also on PBS, Independent Lens. And so their director was there. She talked about it. really cool movie. I give it three and a half stars. It's one of my favorite documentaries of the year. And another really good documentary I watched it premiered on Netflix a couple weeks ago. I'm not sure if you guys had heard of it, but it's right up our alley. It is called "Is this, Is That Black Enough for You?" And oh, I heard about the, that. Yeah. It's by the New York Times film critic Elvis Mitchell, and it is a basically an exploration of 70s uh, black cinema, not mostly black exploitation, but all not all black exploitation. And basically, it's not. It doesn't try to pre- pretend to be a comprehensive look. <laughs> Um, at black cinema but it does kind of it comes from the point of view of elvis mitchell and so he does tend to, it's, it's a little bit more free-flowing kind of like our podcast doesn't always go in a linear sort of order and um but it's really cool i mean there's a lot of great interviews on it larry fishburn is there samuel L. jackson is there harry belafonte um some really great stars from the era and what i like about uh elvis mitchell you know like i said it's sort of a personal essay um, he goes back and forth. I mean, he'll talk about the 20s and 30s and how it influences movies in the 70s. They'll bring in present day stuff. That's probably the best and the worst thing about the movie because on, on the one hand, it's cool. On the other hand, I kind of wish that he had just let some of the movies sort of speak for themselves, almost like Scorsese did in My Voyage to Italy, where sometimes he'll just let the clips run for five or six minutes without interruption. Um, but I feel like, you know, as Terry pointed out a couple weeks ago, I'm a big Spike Lee fan. Spike Lee probably would have liked this movie because it's really in your face and kind of jumbling all over the place. But I think it's an awesome movie it's a a must see for any any film buff or any film fan of of the 70s uh really really solid stuff three and a half stars the other movie i watched i'm not sure if we want to do this right now do we want to duke it out right now let's do it i I saw armageddon time terry's alleged number one movie of the year no
1: i said i I gave it four stars but
2: Uh, you said it was your number one was i no i did not say it was
1: my number one movie didn't say it was was four stars and roll the tape Uh, rewind that
0: one of the best movies of the year I think is what he said
1: and and walking out of the theater I said I liked it better than banshees
2: but okay I think
1: I, as I've sat on it I've like I like banshees
2: more all right well I didn't like this movie very much yeah, I, th- I, figured I, it. I, I I thought listen I mean without going into it, I think Todd should see it I'd love for Todd to be the tiebreaker on it first of all the movie is a total direct <laughs> um you know ripoff of two great french movies the 400 blows and au revoir les enfants and you know james gray made that remake of um uh of uh uh, uh, uh the, that one italian movie in the late La, La Noci bianca or whatever white nights so he knows european cinema from that era um i don't know man it was just so heavy-handed and james gray's a boring filmmaker and I don't think anything stood out about the movie. I thought it was very smug. It was very self congratulatory. Oh, great, you're not a racist, even though, you know, you let these things these terrible things happen to your one black friend. And it's like cinematic name dropping with the one character that everybody's talked about, the Jessica Chastain character movie is very consciously written in twenty twenty two. Uh, and then Anthony Hopkins. I mean, he's doing his best imitation of Kieran Hands in Belfast. There's some strong Belfast vibes in this movie. It's like to make his speeches and, and pithy life advice more memorable, they need to throw in a profanity every ten words or so. It's bad, man. Uh, Anthony Hopkins and Anne Hathaway as New York Jews. I don't, I don't buy that at all. Uh, and um, yeah, it was just not that great. Uh, but I, I respect your opinion, Terry, and I respect uh, James Gray. Not really, but. It's not a very good movie. I give it two stars.
1: Yeah, I had a feeling you weren't going to like it. I, I don't know. it. Uh, you said that it, you got strong Belfast vibes from it. I like Belfast better than any of us, too. So, uh, so there's that. Uh, there's something to a good coming-of-age story. And I like how this coming-of-age story, nothing really goes. At times, nothing goes the way you think it's going to go and uh especially just how it all how it all plays out it doesn't it i don't know todd needs to see it
2: Todd needs now, to see this movie okay i'm playing anywhere anymore yeah i know there are two things i liked about it one i thought it was it was well shot like it kind yeah. of looked and the other thing that i liked about it was it didn't fetishize the 1980s like there wasn't you know that that uh, uh cliche scene of them oh let's look at let's look at the rubik's cube it's the new 1980s fad I like that there wasn't. It wasn't consciously like, "Oh, it's the '80s," uh, but it did feel very much like a movie written in 22, 22 because there were a lot of winks to the camera about, "Oh, you should pay attention to this person or this theme because later on in this decade it becomes a lot more important." Like
1: I don't know. that. That I don't know. I didn't feel like there were that many of those, but I. I do. You say you know it. It doesn't like cliche the 80s which i think is one of the things i really liked about it because at the same time it is a very 80s movie um and it you it the fact that the 80s play a character in this movie like the story was the way the story plays out could not have played out the same way if it wasn't in the 80s the way this movie was going so i don't don't know know. it it, i'll see it, it at some point it's
2: raising some red flags for the fablemans is all i'm gonna say it's like oh boy is this where we're going with Spielberg's movie? I it's it's a little frightening right now. I have been warned. That's that's all I'll say. I also liked but, how the main character wasn't a, wasn't likable.
1: Like that kid was not a likable kid, but no, yet he you, wasn't. you feel you, you you understand him but he's not yeah, I I don't know. It it just felt very different and uh and yeah, good coming of age story I'm always going to be up for that. All right. Did you have anything else you want to talk about?
2: No, that was it. I'm sorry I rambled. But you should check out those documentaries, one of which is widely available, one of which has like two votes on IMDb, but they're both very, very good. Nice.
1: All right. All right. Now, to me, uh, I'll, I have a few things I want to talk about too. Um, first, my uh, my anniversary watch from two weeks ago, I won't talk that much about it, was uh, Ice Age, which was nominated for animated 20 years ago. Was fine. I think I gave it three stars. Uh, Funny, creative. It's good. This week's though. Let's talk about this week. So my uh, my one for this week one best original screenplay in two thousand two. I was also nominated for best director. Talk to her. Talk to her. I had not seen talk to her yet. Ella. Hable con ella. Yeah. Uh, So we've got Pedro Almodovar. Uh, in in possibly his, his biggest Oscar success has to be because it's what he won his Oscar for.
2: Um, he also won for All About My Mother.
1: Oh, <laughs> okay, okay. Anyways, yeah this uh, this movie tells a story of uh, Beningo and Marco and their uh, interesting friendship that they develop as they uh, both have significant others who are in a coma, uh, Alicia and Lydia. Uh this movie, it, it's odd because as it's going along, uh, it, it's got a really cool vibe to it. Uh, I especially really liked uh, Marco. I thought he was, he, he's your main character. He's the one that's just kind of observing everything that's going on around him. And you think you know what this movie is. And then everything just flips on its head uh, halfway through and that and all of a sudden you don't know what's going on. And, uh, I can't, I can't shake this movie. Like it's one that kind of, that kind of just sets up residency in your brain for a while after you watch it and you, you can't stop thinking about it. That's what it's been for me. I looked on our website and both of you guys gave it four stars. I'm joining you guys and in, in giving it four stars. It's a, it's an amazing movie. Not at all what I was expecting. I honestly don't know what I was expecting, but, uh, uh, great in a way I was I I didn't anticipate. So
0: did you say you had seen other El Motivar movies?
1: Um I've seen I've seen one other I've saw the the Antonio Banderas one from a couple years ago. What was that called?
0: Oh Pain and Glory.
1: Pain and Glory. I've seen Pain and Glory. I think that's the only other El Motivar film I've seen.
0: Yeah, that'd be a yeah, not not exactly the vintage Elmodovar that you get from earlier on. So yeah, I could see how this one would really blow you away. It is a it is an amazing movie. Yeah.
1: Okay, uh let's see here. So now my, more uh recent stuff that I I've seen, I'm I think I'm the only one so far that's seen Black Panther Black, Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Uh It was good. Uh it 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 paid great tribute to Chadwick Boseman, but when you're focusing the entire movie on who's not there, it's kind of interesting. Um but the uh the ones around it give give great performances. Uh, I gave it three stars. I kind of I feel the same way about the second one as I feel about the first one. Uh, everyone is hyping this thing up, and I'm not quite sure why. It's good, not great. The, uh, the other movie I saw, um, which was the other part of my double feature with our featured review we're coming up on, is The Menu, mm. which was a blast. Uh, I'm giving this nice. one three stars. Uh, it is... It's one of those movies where you know how you watch a good trailer and you're like, that looks interesting. And but more times than not, you go into the movie and you're like, this isn't at all what I thought I signed up for from the trailer. Um, you want if you watch a trailer for this, that is exactly what you're signing up for when you watch the movie. Like everything that ma- that makes you excited about this from the trailer is exactly what you get. It's quirky. It's crazy. It's twisted. It's demented. It's funny. Uh, Ray Fiennes is having a blast in this. Anya Taylor-Joy is always great. Uh, and Nicholas Holt does a... Uh, always does a great job of giving a sneaky great performance in everything that he's doing right now. So that's another another one for him. And then you got random ones like John Leguizamo pops up as like a big-time movie star. And you kind of... You can buy it. You buy it. Janet McTeer's in there. Paul Adelstein. I mean, Agent Kellerman's in this movie. Uh, Judith light I mean when was the last time we saw Judith light in anything she's in this movie uh yeah it, it's it's a lot of fun. It really is a lot of fun. three stars. if you get a chance to see it I it had a pretty good box office too. I think I saw like 15 million like it's searchlight's biggest opening in a long time. so uh so go check out the menu. One last thing I want to talk about Uh, last night was uh, our latest trip to the to the the theater and uh, as our Broadway shows are coming to town. And this week was uh, Jagged Little Pill, the uh, the Broadway show based off of the music of Alanis Morissette. I really didn't have a whole lot of uh, expectations going into this because I wasn't a really big Alanis Morissette fan growing up but it is the 90s so I'm like okay I'm, I'm in for for listening to some 90s music um this show is pretty brilliant uh it's kind of a mess it's all over the place at times uh but it touches on some really important themes and uh and it's the um emotion from from the morissette music really plays out in that Ah, uh, the book for Jagged Little Pills written by Diablo Cody as well, which I didn't realize until I got the playbill and looked at it. Uh, and it shows just how um, mature she's been she's gotten as a director. She still has her voice, but it just it sounds much more grown up if you only know her from things like Juno and Jennifer's body. Uh, it's really, really good. If you get a chance to see Jagged Little Pill on stage, do it because it's it's really good. And the music was like blaring, like it felt like I was in a rock concert, not a not a Broadway show, which was awesome too. So, <laughs> anyways, that was a lot, but we have a lot to cover. Yeah, I didn't
0: realize we were talking about everything we watched. So, <laughs>
1: I didn't talk about everything. I just wanted to mention a few things. But all right, well, let's get to let's get to this uh, this featured review we have now.
2: How many movies been... and plays did you see this week? I saw What'd it's I see? quite a bit. I think you probably. For more, uh, at or more than Todd and me combined, and we can I saw we can three cut this part out. I'm and, just curious. I saw
1: three movies in a play this week. I think I saw three movies last week.
2: I saw seven movies this week.
1: See, Todd's got me beat.
0: <laughs> I was just going to talk about everything.
1: <laughs> I want I, I I want to talk about like the the mo- the recent stuff that's a little that's kind of relevant. I and a couple of them I just talked about for like 15 seconds, like black yeah. panther i barely talked about
2: when we have um, a two-week hiatus you have to you know i isn't the expectation that we speak more than we already do i don't know our last episode was like almost three hours long <laughs> that's true well that's can true. you tell us that's one true. other movie you saw todd you don't have to say anything now, the one I, the other curious. one i could have
0: what me oh i uh i, I watched a senior the Robert Downey Sr. documentary. By oh, so. nice.
2: Oh, I wanted to see that too.
0: Yeah, it's really good. It comes on Netflix in a couple weeks, I think.
2: Robert Downey Sr. is also mentioned The other one Elvis I could have Mitchell's talked about. Documentary.
1: The other one I could have talked about is uh, on the plane back from Vegas, I watched Raymond and Ray. The, the title we'll never remember. Nice. It kind of sucked. Ethan Man. Hawk's the best part though. So it's worth watching for Ethan Hawk. All right. Our little aside off the record
2: piece. that's All almost right. sideways after hours. The yeah, under- almost sideways after hours. very
0: cute. <laughs> hush, hush,
1: hush, hush. All right, now it's time for our featured review, and for that, <laughs> we are going to a very anticipated movie that uh, we've been looking forward to ever since Todd said it was the best picture frontrunner back last January. She said,
2: What is it exactly that we're looking at here? These young women walked into what they all
1: had reason to believe were business meetings.
2: I can still see it, the hotel
0: room, the floor plan. He kept trying to touch me. I asked him to leave me alone. Instead, they say he met them with threats and sexual demands. I was young, scared. Hi. We're from the New York Times. I believe he
1: used to work for Harvey Weinstein. And since Todd was the one that uh, that championed this for so long. He's going to be the one that gets to start talking about it. So, Todd, tell us about uh, She Said and what you thought.
0: Okay, it is directed by Maria Schrader, and it is uh, the Harvey Weinstein case breaking in 2016. It follows these two journalists, Megan Toohey and Jody Cantor. They are played by Carey Mulligan and Zoe Kazan, and they are gathering testimonies and data and facts in order to publish a case against that rich and powerful Hollywood producer which uh, claims sexual harassment, intimidation, rape, and other things from several women over decades. Uh, the movie is a journalism movie through and through. Like The only principal characters really are pretty much these New York Times reporters and editors, including Patricia, Patricia Clarkson and Andre Brower in there. There's a few people that are interviewed that are of note. Jennifer L. is definitely the MVP Uh, There's also Samantha Morton, and I don't know if it's a spoiler to say Ashley Judd. Um, It's directed by a German and written by a Brit, which is intriguing because it's a complete outsider's take on something that is very uh, much an American story, sort of like Three Billboards. But this plays it way closer to the vest and never uses that platform to really say anything too interesting or too enlightening about the subject um it really really thinks it's timely it it almost is hilarious and how out of touch it feels at times because like especially when it like starts with a stupid hit piece on trump like that had nothing to do with the rest of the movie it was just like some a couple of zingers and like uh, outdated talking pieces um there's also a, bit, a little bit too much of their home life that's shown because i mean as much as i like tom pelfrey like those scenes really amounted to nothing it was just like things that restricted the momentum of the uh, rest of the case and Weirdly enough, this movie reminded me most of State of Play, which is not a true story. It could, probably could have been, but it, it takes this investigation really seriously, talking about some really dire things. It thinks it's being all the president's men with its paranoia and stuff, but the writing is never really quite there to get it to make the journalism dialogue really pop. Um It's obviously, it's very self-congratulatory. It's it's saying things that are important and almost like bros, it's like pretentious in that way, like speaking for a whole group of people and pointing fingers. But good journalism movies, to me, are observant and not necessarily overly pointed or manipulating, which is what this movie really is. And that comes back to one issue, and that is that Weinstein isn't actually a character in the movie. He's just some faceless monster that you hear over the phone, sounding like Cyrus the Virus or something, speaking like really threateningly and very matter-of-factly with perfect enunciation. I know they didn't want to humanize him because he doesn't deserve that, but the storytelling is held back because he's not a character. Like in Bombshell, Roger Ailes was a character, and those scenes were like horrifying, which made the pretty lackluster movie actually have some dramatic weight, but not having Harvey as a character just, I mean, it it, it held the movie down for me. Um, and it's really too long, but I'm glad it's not a mini-series. It it, it would have been even more broad and speculative if it was. And I, I also think it hurts that it's so recent. Like, we're going through things that we know beat by beat, so it's almost anticlimactic. Like, when you get to a good journalism movie or a true story, the the things that you read during the credits are supposed to be surprising or new information, not just, like, the basics that we knew already, because anybody who knows anything about this case knew everything they said. I'm giving it two and a half stars out of respect, but I have like really struggled with this one.
1: All right. All right. I'm going to go next. Uh, I disagree with most of what you said. I'm giving this movie four stars. I really, I really, really love this movie. And what's funny is I didn't think I was going to like going into it. I thought the trailer looked horrible. Um, I thought, I thought, Zoe Kazan looked so wrong for the role and looked like she was going to give this horrible performance. And I was wrong. Um, I, I, I disagree with what you said about, um, it kicking off with, uh, and it, it just kicking off with the Trump case breaking and it, it being something that was, that was just like, you know, trying to say something there. I think it was giving context. Like it was telling you that these, these reporters had, had, a had experience talking about what they were about to talk about. And it gave you context into what was going on around the world when the story broke. Uh, The one critique that I might be able to get on board with is there might have been a little too much going on in the personal lives instead of just like all the president's men, a movie like that, you never see anything about them at home, right? It's just the case. And so if you want to say that, sure, but I didn't think it necessarily hurt the story at all. Um, I think Mulligan and Kazan give brilliant performances. I think, I, I think it's a really good journalism movie. I don't think it's being manipulative. Uh, I, I agree with the, uh, um, with them not showing Weinstein, like you, you were saying like in bombshell, they showed ales and it was in, but that was about the story. This is about the reporting of the story. I mean, it's like saying all the president's men is horrible. They never showed Nixon. Uh, it it's it, it doesn't matter and i think it, it works that way because then the story exactly isn't that. what? It's not
0: exactly that. I mean he, they they write him into the movie. They just never show him. They don't
1: But but the move the it made sure the movie wasn't about him. It was about Oh, that's what I and that's victims. what i said. I
0: mean, yeah. i get what they're trying to do. I just don't think it was the right choice for this kind of movie, but
1: I th- I thought it worked. I thought it worked. I yeah. Um it's one it's one of those movies. I I didn't think, like I said, I didn't think I was going to like it. I thought it was get, trying to be too much like Spotlight, but I loved Spotlight, and I love this one. I gave Spotlight four stars. I gave All the President's Men four stars. I guess I just like a great journalism movie, and I think this one is right right alongside with those uh, those other classics. All right, so we've got two and a
2: half stars. we got four stars. Zach, tell us why it's a three-star movie. Well, it's, I'm, it's right in the middle because blah, blah. First of all, before I give my reason for that, just so we're clear, this is not your number one movie of the year, Terry no or, or, or okay just so we're clear because i swear i heard that last time and that very much influenced how i watched armageddon time uh okay this movie well i'm in the middle obviously uh on the one hand um i feel like you know i feel like that episode of seinfeld or you know Newman has to judge whether elaine or, or uh kramer gets the bike on the one hand terry makes some good points the movie is uh, pretty pr- pretty well told. I mean, it's it's a pretty compelling movie. Very, it's never uh, boring or or dull to watch. Um, I think that the performances in it are, are range from um, competent to pretty amazing. Um, particularly, Samantha Morton and Jennifer uh, Ely are really great, and they're kind of one sceneers. They're only in the movie for about five minutes, but the scenes they're in are pretty breathtaking. Um, As a journalism movie, it is really solid. I mean, it kind of looks at how stories develop. Sometimes you get a call in the middle of the night. Uh, Sometimes you have to make sacrifices for your family. I actually thought this movie did a pretty good job of showing their personal lives. I actually would have not minded maybe even a little more of their personal lives. Um, I thought uh, the way that it develops toward the end was pretty unpredictable. I think it does a good job of showing how um, you know, it wasn't just actors that Harvey Weinstein ruined, right? These were people that um, didn't have careers. Uh, these are people from around the world. Uh, Todd talked about the international focus of this movie. I never really re- thought about that before, but this movie has prominent It seems to take place in, in England and in Hong Kong. Um, and I think that presents new things. There are, there, you know, I follow the Harvey Weinstein case pretty closely. I, there's, there's stuff in here that I, I, I was not aware of, and I certainly wasn't aware about how the story developed and the chronology behind that. That being said, I also see some of Todd's points. Um, I think the movie, I agree with Todd that the first 15 minutes of the movie was kind of baffling to me. I I think it was an attempt to show that the Kerry Mulligan character had tried, at least initially, to report on instances of sexual violence and assault and had been kind of rebuffed by everybody around her and maybe swept up in the wave of Trump hysteria during that election. I think it was also kind of a way of showing um, how Kerry Mulligan maybe... um, didn't try not I'm not gonna say didn't try hard enough but kind of acquiesced to some of those obstacles in the first 15 minutes whereas by the end of the movie she was a lot more tenacious and not accepting no for an answer from people like Weinstein or Weinstein's people um in any event I don't think that was the strongest part of the movie I I I felt like that part was a little bit jumbled and I do feel like the first 45 minutes of this movie probably could have um, been a little bit more streamlined in how the the characters were presented and, and the inciting events occur Um, I don't really think this movie is necessarily a mind-blowingly great movie. I don't think it's quite to Spotlight's level, um, in part because, well, there's really two things. One I've already kind of alluded to, which is that in Spotlight, one of the real pleasures of that movie was seeing how the Michael Keaton character and a few others had to change their attitudes toward what they thought of the church and and Boston. This movie, Jodie Cantor and Megan Toohey, are, uh, you know, morally great characters. There's there's nothing that they have to re-examine in their lives except for, you know, maybe Jodie's relationship with her daughter a little bit because her daughter says the word rape. I don't know. That part to me was not as compelling as the way Tom McCarthy developed it in Spotlight. Then again, it's a different movie, but there are unmistakable similarities. The other flaw I have with this movie is a bigger one, which is that I realize this is a journalism movie, but We need to talk about Harvey Weinstein. And I think there is so much more uh, to uh, what happened throughout the, the years at Miramax, particularly the complicit people that just kind of nodded and went along with it. You know, there were jokes that were made at the Oscars. There were it was it was just it was the best known secret in Hollywood. And I think this movie is necessary in the sense that it shows the way this story was written. And Terry is going to say, well, it was never meant to be this way. But what I would say is that I think we needed a movie set in Hollywood about the Weinstein uh, corruption. I think we needed a movie about the complicit people that didn't say anything and went along with it and are still successful in the industry today. Even like Tarantino, who expresses regret, but maybe he could have done not. He even admits it. he doesn't know. That to me is more morally fascinating and ambiguous and difficult to deal with and i'm not saying this movie is monday morning quarterbacking but i agree with todd is that we are we already kind of know the ca- that the facts of the story give us something a little bit different in terms of the moral complexity that still exists even today in hollywood and i do have to say that i would also say tar kind of ruined this movie a little bit for me too because tar was much more subtle nuanced and morally complex in dealing with something somewhat similar so on a whole i give this movie three stars i guess overall i agree with terry more but i think i lean closer to todd's criticisms of the movie
0: yeah well you said about you know the the tarantino thing that that was also similar to the one character in this where he's like yeah he's like i just thought it was like extramarital shit i didn't i didn't know anything about this and that was one of his like close confidants or something so it's like that 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 makes it makes it more likely that all these speeches that we heard of people like joking about like basically weinstein being like a a, i don't know or Jeter or something with having like a million girlfriends or something. It was something more like that's what people like knew
2: of and didn't actually know the details of this. And that's yeah, why I give out I, all
0: these NDAs or whatever.
2: Yeah, I mean, again, maybe I'm just, you know, Gene Siskel always used to do this, but listen, if I was making this movie, I would have made it about someone like Tarantino or Matt Damon or Brad Pitt or someone who who knew what was going on. And again, I'm not saying they're culprits. I'm not saying they're, they're, they're complicit in any way. I think, though, that as a moral story, that's a lot more troublesome. And I also think of the movie The Assistant, which I think you saw, Todd, but, like, is also a movie about not a powerful person like a Brad Pitt, but someone who wasn't powerful at all, and a woman who wasn't necessarily sexually abused, but also maybe could have done something different, maybe couldn't have. I I don't know. To me, that's that a a good journalism movie is always fun. That's great. But that was the story that I've never really seen before, and I feel like that got a little bit lost in the shuffle of this movie.
1: I I agree with you that that'd be an interesting story, but that's a different movie, right? That's a different movie. That's a different story. And and you you knew that. That's what I was going to say. But I said that, I yeah, it predictive. It's, it's 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 a different. I'm, like I said, it's like saying I didn't like all the presidents' men because it doesn't have Nixon in it. Why didn't we see Nixon talking about all these things? And we we ch- well, that's a movie called Nixon. That's not a movie called All the Presidents' Men. Uh it's it's a different movie. And I, again, I disagree about the the first 15 minutes. I think that it it gives the context of what's going on in the world and it gives a reason for why they start the investigation. Um, and they're doing it because they've they were they've seen other things and they were unsuccessful. Like, all right, well, let's broaden this out. Where else have we seen this? Oh, it's in Hollywood. We're hearing rumors about Harvey Wine And it, it it's what spurs on the whole the whole investigation. I think that it makes that important. And, uh, and more than just that one thing I have to shout out here that I, that I was just looking at the cast list and I wasn't sure about it. And I actually knew it as I was listening to it. The, uh, the voice of Donald Trump in this movie is the guy who plays him on SNL. And I, I could tell in the, his name is a, where did it go? It's in here somewhere. Uh, James Austin Johnson. Dude's brilliant. But yeah, I, I could tell it was him. And, uh, and so when he, uh, when that voice, I'm like, I bet you that he's the one doing it because he, he does such a great job with it. And, uh, you can also really tell
0: tell it's not the, it's not actually Rose McGowan. Right.
1: That's true. You could tell some
0: girl named named Kaylee McQuayle,
1: but Hey, awesome that they got Ashley Judd to play herself. That is, that is super cool. I thought that was, that was awesome and gave a sense of realism to it.
2: See, I feel like this movie should have been like one of those Romanian avant-garde, like Christian Manju movies, because then he would have just said it in that like room at the New York Times. when they, He would have made the whole movie, the, the, the call with Harvey Weinstein and wouldn't have left the room. That to me is a more interesting 90 minutes. Like, and it would just, have been really cool. And then and they just cool. went over. They went over that whole scene. It was like, OK, Harvey, you're on. And then, oh, Harvey, we don't have time for any more. Bye. Bam, that was it. Like this movie left out some, I think, pretty interesting stuff. You also had to kind of piece together. To me, I didn't really understand why they didn't publish the story right away. Like what I, I think the movie needed to make it clear what the non-disclosure agreements were, what they meant. Like if Ashley Judd is already this international celebrity, what is what is her hesitation really? And I think, I mean, it's it's understandable what it is. I don't think the movie necessarily made that clear enough as as a story. And I thought the end. Which is very similar to the end of uh, Spotlight was just I was it was kind of irresponsible. It's like okay, this happens, and then everything everything turned out okay. Like, come, there's such a more interesting aftermath. This movie to me took I think the least interesting parts of the whole incident. It needed more time. Like this, I mean, this happened six years ago. Like this, this
0: needed it needed like another decade for this to actually fully develop into what we want the story to be.
2: I don't know if I agree with that. I I could
1: see I could see that point holding. I I could see this movie looking different through a lens of ten years from now. Like, may, m- this is a movie I could see aging well because of, because how how age would give perspective. Well, to and me. well,
0: and what I hear like in the in the closing credits, it's like, uh, such and such, t- like, uh, it's still happening to this day. And it's like, yeah, that was like five years ago. Like, what is? I mean, that's not really saying
1: a whole lot. One last shout out. When we watched Spotlight, all of us were saying the the standout was the subtle performance from Liev Schreiber. Andre Brower gives a really great subtle performance in this, uh, and uh, I just I just had to had to mention him because I thought I thought he was really good and just a, that steady calming force you need in a good journalism movie like this, and he provided it.
2: So, have you ever hung up on someone like he does in this movie? Like, okay, bye. <laughs> I have a newspaper to run. God damn it! Like that sort of gave me a power trip a little bit. I want to do that. That's awesome.
0: Well, it was. It, I think it was like, dude, I don't need to talk to you anymore, Harvey. Like, I mean, like,
1: you don't need to call me out every day.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, what, what was his
1: fascination with Gwyneth Paltrow? That was interesting. Yeah. What was? You <laughs> talk to Gwyneth. You, and and you know that wouldn't have happened unless that's no, actually how it happened. We didn't talk to Gwyneth. How many times do we have to tell you that, you asshole? Like that, that was that, funny. that that had to be. was an SNL be,
2: sketch almost.
1: That ha- but that's ha- that had to be how it actually went down. You you yeah. don't put something like that in there unless that's actually how it happened.
2: All I right. want to be clear. It's a good movie overall. I actually agree. I'm probably closer to Terry than I am to Todd, but it's I think it's a bit of a disappointment because Todd had predicted, I think, accurately that it would be a serious Oscar contender. And I think we, I was at least kind of hoping for spotlight and it's not, not quite there. Yeah. Zoe I mean, C- I don't, Zoe Kazan and, and, uh, Carrie Mulligan are both really good though.
0: Yeah. I can see Mulligan getting a supporting actress nomination or something, but I don't think this is a winning best picture. I think it makes Hollywood look really, really bad. And th- the Oscars like Hollywood to look good, like an Argo. So I don't think I'm, I'd be surprised if it gets a best picture nomination at this point, but I could see it still getting a couple other things. Like they love journalism movies. It could,
2: We lost him. We lost him. Oh, yeah. I, I was going to say, there's no scene where they say they knew Robbie. There, there's no, there's no Oscar <laughs> moment with Mark Ruffalo there, in here, sadly. There
0: is. Like Zoe Kazan has that scene.
2: Where? What? What scene? What? What was her when, Oscar uh, scene? when, when her when, uh, the, when they go on the record? Yeah. When? we uh, When? Uh, when uh, oh. she got Ashley on the phone. I don't know. I think it lacked Mark Ruffalo's passion
0: she goes for it though like and then you get carrie mulligan goes over to almost like congratulate her, like yeah you did that really good But
2: <laughs> it was really like no we got this <laughs> all right so we've got could you also a, oh one last one ahead. last smart ass thing to say, to yeah, say. Go ahead. Could, could you see that they got permission to film at the new york times building they suckered all the money they could out of that <laughs> i mean that is like every scene in this goddamn movie is at the actual new york times building. we get it you got permission to film there good for you congratulations let's maybe film this a little bit somewhere else okay but another scene at the new york times sure let's do it it's
1: a journalism movie about two new york times reporters where else is it gonna take place maybe hollywood where this shit happened but okay you're right all the president's men was really lacking white house scenes
2: <laughs> yeah i like that <laughs> point from todd we needed more nixon in uh, all the president's men <laughs> I didn't say that. I don't, I don't necessarily. I don't necessarily disagree with that either. I just like that that point was brought up. <laughs> All right,
1: two and a half stars. I know it's not. Todd. We know that's
2: not what you were saying, Todd. We get it.
1: He didn't say it. I did. I said that. That's that's like what he was saying. All right, two and a half stars from Todd. Three stars from Zach. Four stars from. Could he have been
2: played by Dan Hedaya in 1976? That would be my one question. Or would it be Anthony Hopkins? <laughs>
1: Uh,
2: Frank who Landella. played Who played uh Nixon on SNL in the seventies? Do you know Terry? Was it Chevy Chase? Oh,
1: it, it, no, it was ackroyd
2: oh, Okay, so it had to be ackroyd in in <laughs> all the presidents' men, right?
1: ackroyd had a great Nixon too. I could except, see it, except he was about two hundred pounds too light.
2: At well, at the time today, yeah. maybe not
1: Today he'd make a great Nixon, but at the time, yeah, he was. Could
2: he have was had like some of the crystal head vodka pounds. in Nixon's drunken rants. That would have been yeah. great.
1: he he had some good nixon sketches all right we're moving on let let's uh let's get out of the seriousness and go to the completely ridiculous and awesomely uh, bad i don't know awesomely bad but just awesome in so many great ways we are celebrating the 20th anniversary of triple x i want you to meet some people and find out whatever you can about them what type of people dirty dangerous
0: your kind of people
2: we do what we want, when we want. We've seen the girls, the parties, the clubs. What you don't see is what does on during the day.
0: can kill millions. He's got an army, a
2: fortress. You don't
0: stand
1: a chance. I'm a secret agent. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yes, we are. This was Todd's decision.
2: You all are
0: welcome. This actually, Zach's yeah. Zach's the biggest fan of this movie on the on the website.
2: <laughs> yeah, gave it three and got, half stars. Zach gave it three and a half stars. Well, this is when that was an era when I was brainwashed by whatever Roger Ebert said. The way that Adam views Todd, I viewed Roger Ebert back in the day, so <laughs> I wasn't going to disagree with Raj that much.
1: I I I like uh, Todd. Todd's the justification for doing this was. Um, this is a movie that, for some reason, we all have an irrational love for. So we need to talk about it. So, And I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Yes. So let's talk about it. We're getting started with some trivia. I'm hosting trivia. Uh, since Todd is uh, the expert, the one that chose it, he gets to go second. Zach gets to go first. So bye-bye, Todd. Let's see how how poorly you do here um you, yeah. you were this, you were singing this is
2: gonna be, is gonna be bad
1: you're singing your praises c- coming into this <sighs> all right there are 11 questions first of all do we really worth... talk
2: about this movie this much maybe i'll find my don't... comments for later i've never heard either of you talk about this movie i don't know what he's talking about irrational love
1: well because because it's it's just this random Vin diesel action movie and we have like all right I, I'll, I'll, I'll save anyways, my thoughts we'll save yes. it, yeah okay. okay
2: all right let's do this all right
1: let's fail First question. One. What, going for one. What does the That's bumper sticker on the Senator's Corvette say? Uh, uh Ban
2: motorcycles. Something like that. Close. The uh, right idea. Skateboarding is a crime. Yeah. Okay. I get like a quarter point for that. I think I'm like, not quite a half, but you
1: know. Uh, What does Xander say after getting shot with the tranquilizer dart?
2: No clue. It was only a Corvette. Hmm uh you see how someone drew from the first 10 minutes of this movie
1: there you go next one's worth three points what are the three things Xander notices wrong with the diner
2: oh good question okay I remember this shit uh so the guy's reading the financial times and it's a Sunday that is correct which I have a lot of theories about um the uh uh the uh waitress um is wearing heels Mm mm-hmm and I don't remember what the third one was, but it must have been the guy that was sitting next to him that she tipped him off to. But I don't remember exactly what it was.
1: Yeah, the guy who held up the place was uh, uh, yielding a cop issued Beretta.
2: Mm, OK.
1: So he got two of the three. That's good. Uh, how long was Xander's flight to the Czech Republic?
2: <laughs> Nine hours. Just Twelve hours. OK. There's a uh, lot of shit in this movie, man. There is. It, there is. It's kind of loaded with shit, but okay.
1: Okay. You're gonna hate all these questions. Um <laughs> what three things does Xander get straight with the Czech agent when he arrives?
2: No idea. I have no recollection of that scene.
1: So so when he first shows up, there's a there's the the cop there, right? The Czech cop, and he says, Let's get three things straight. What go ahead. Oh, no, saying?
2: no, 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 you're right. Keep going. I don't um, want
1: to be here. I'm under no one's jurisdiction. And if you want to shoot anyone, shoot whoever sold you that suit.
2: Nice. Yeah, I, no recollection of that scene.
1: Okay. All right. Uh, maybe I
2: watched the sequel.
1: That maybe. All right. When he first meets Yorgi, uh Xander rats out the cop that came with him. When he finds his badge, what does Xander exclaim? I thought this was really it- funny.
2: He was flashing it around or something, yeah, like getting well, in people's but, eyes or something.
1: Okay, that's how that's how he knew. I'll give you a half point for that. But it's it's when he grabs the badge, he holds it up and goes, check five-o. I like he like he's like Hawaii 5-0, but check 5
2: I'd be impressed if Todd got that quest. That's your Terry question. I didn't understand your wording, but not yeah. that I would have gotten the oh, answer. Oh, there's
1: a there's a worse Terry question coming Oh nice. Okay.
2: Next question. Uh what kind of car did Xander pick for
1: himself? What was that's not the GTO, right? That's the GTO. Okay. That is correct. All right. This is the ultimate Terry question. You ready? Mm-hmm. Uh what does Xander like?
2: What does Xander like?
1: This is this is in a conversation with Yorgi when he's getting the cars they're talking about, you know, all the extreme sports stuff he does.
2: Doesn't he say something like nothing like fresh powder?
1: He does say that at one point. That's not the quote I was looking mm. for. I'll, I'll give you a half point because All he right. does say that uh, the quote I was looking for was anything fast enough to do something stupid with.
2: Mm. Nice. It uh, feels the, like it's in the regal line category. That's yeah. that's that's approaching it.
1: All right. Uh, next question. Uh, <laughs> what punk song does Yorgi quote when he's accepting Xander into Anarchy 99 and who is it by? I think it's more of a question for Todd,
2: but Anarchy Burger. Yes. And it's by the Vandals
1: that you got it. Good job. I didn't expect you to get that one.
2: Can't you tell? I I love that music. I'm all over it.
1: Uh, What is the name of the submarine weapon?
2: Uh, Ahab.
1: Ahab is correct. And the last question.
2: Thanks for that question. That was a good one. Yeah. Nice. Nice padding a little bit. Mm
1: -hmm, Yeah. And the last one. What's the first thing Xander says after he saves the city and he emerges from the water?
2: Uh, welcome to the Xander Zone.
1: That's what he says when he goes into the water. Oh, what does God he say when he comes I out? Can't, it's
2: like the it's like a Tarantino movie. I can't remember the order. I don't know. Bora Bora. Bora Bora. That's foreshadowing to the last scene.
1: That, that, that's that is very much so. All right. I, well, you end. I got up more with, than
2: one. You got seven points. That's not that's not terrible. Yeah. All
1: right, so there are 11 questions worth 16 points, and Good. Zach got seven. Not bad. Not, not, not too bad. All right, first question, what does the bumper sticker on the Senator's Corvette say?
0: Skateboarding is a crime.
1: That is correct. Yeah, you're going to dominate this. Uh, next question, what does Xander say after getting shot with the tranquilizer dart for the first time?
0: Um we'll turn down the music. It's only a Corvette. Oh, it was only a Corvette, yeah. He says it before he gets shot, I think.
1: Zach, you just came back. He knew the skateboarding is a crime bumper sticker. Nice.
2: I was yeah, on he's... the right track with it though.
1: Yeah, yeah. He he does you're right. He does say uh we'll turn down the music before he gets shot. Uh next question this one's worth three points. What are the three things Xander finds wrong with the diner?
0: Oh, um, the stockbroker is reading the Financial Times on a Sunday when the market's closed. Um, the stick man, stick up man, is wearing a cop issue Beretta, That's and correct. the waitress is wearing high heels.
1: That is correct, also. Wow. Wow. How long was Xander's flight to the Czech Republic?
0: I don't, I mean, I don't know. 16 hours. 12 hours. Okay. I don't remember them saying that.
1: Yeah, he says it when he first gets there. All right. so also in that scene, uh, what three things does Xander have to get straight with the Czech police officer when he arrives? Let me get three things straight with you.
0: Oh. Uh, You should find the guy who sold you that suit. That's
1: correct. If you want to shoot anyone, shoot whoever sold you that suit. I'll give you that.
0: Um. Oh, I'm not under anybody's jurisdiction.
1: That is correct.
0: And uh, I need to get some sleep.
1: Eh, I don't want to be here.
0: Oh, yeah. That's the first thing he says. Yeah. Okay.
1: All right. Uh, when he first meets Yorgi, Xander runs, uh, rats out the cop that came with him. When he finds his badge, what does Xander exclaim? I thought this was really funny. Maybe I only caught this because he because I was listening to or I had the subtitles oh, on.
0: What is this? Your bus pass?
1: No, no. He holds it up and goes check five zero, like he's check. And well, like he does say like it. no. The 5-0. first thing
0: he says is what is then what is this your bus pass? Oh, that's okay. the first thing he says when he takes his wallet out. But yeah, he does say check five zero. That is that is pretty funny.
1: Yeah. I, okay. <laughs> I'll give you half point. Uh you're you're not gonna need it, but okay. Uh what kind of car did Xander pick for himself?
0: The GTO.
1: GTO. Um, all right. This is the most uh the most Terry question of all Terry questions in this in this yeah. trivia here. Uh what does Xander like? It's in a conversation with Yorgi <laughs> after he gets the cards.
0: Oh, oh. Uh, cars, bikes, boards, anything stupid enough, or anything fast enough to do something stupid in.
1: That's it. Anything fast enough to do something stupid in. That was what I was going for. All right. Uh, this is one surprisingly Zach got. What punk song does Yorgie quote when he is accepting Xander into Anarchy 99 and who is it by? <laughs> uh,
0: I mean, I can say the lyrics. It's like, then walk into a deli and piss on the cheese. Um, I can't remember. <laughs> i forget who it was i forget what the song is
1: it's uh anarchy burger by the vandals
0: the vandals that's what he
1: says yeah Zach got that one which means he must have had it written in, had are the vandals
2: are the vandals from idaho because they are neo-nazis <laughs> 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 oh gosh
1: uh what is the name of the submarine weapon
2: k-19 the widowmaker Wait, the the
0: actual The actual
2: actual, uh, boat, yeah.
0: Ahab?
1: Ahab is correct. Silent Night? Silent Night is the the missiles. All right, last question. What's the first thing Xander says after he saves the city and he emerges from the water? Bora Bora? Bora Bora is correct. So, a score of 10.5 to 7, Todd wins. All
2: right, Todd. I think, I, I think Todd gets extra cred for knowing the lyrics to Anarchy Burger, <laughs> but couldn't remember the song or the band. Well, they say the that's lyrics together. Yeah, <laughs> that's true.
1: They, they bond over the lyrics. Uh, all right. Well, Todd, this was your choice. Tell us uh, Tell us about Triple X and your experience with it.
0: Uh, it is directed by Rob Cohen and written by Rich Wilkes and uh, Vin Diesel plays Xander Cage, and he is a extreme sports enthusiast, stuntman sort of, and he is sort of recruited by the NSA to carry out some uh, missions. And but those missions are questionable early on, and become uh, pretty serious as as it goes along. The first time I I knew about this movie was when around. It was in theaters, and I remember going to my parents saying like I want to go see this movie. I was only fourteen. And they're, I was like, they're like, what movie do you want to go see? And I said, it's called Triple X. And they're like, well, I don't even like the title. There's no way you're going to see that. And I was like, <laughs> it's a PG-13 action movie. They're like, it's Triple X, no. Like, you're not seeing that. So I didn't actually get to go see it in the theater. So I ended up watching it on video probably sometime in 2003 or something. Um, The first time I saw this, I loved it. And I, I watched it a lot. Like, for, for like a good five years, this was one of those movies I was always on cable. There were a lot of these, like, early 2000s action movies that were always on this is one of them and i watched it i've probably seen this 15 times i don't know (laughs) and uh vin diesel is he's i don't know he was the king at the time they they they're he was he was riddick he was you know dominic Toretto and he is Xander Cage and he he started franchises like, and he would, he, they were making him happen at the time. And this is one of those movies that just, I don't know. It, it's like a bond movie, sort of, it's like a mission impossible, move, possible movie, sort of. It's kind of the reason why I always thought that Jason Statham could have played bond is because this is basically a bond movie. And they like, those kind of like brutish actors could do these kind of things and still be suave in a way. And, um, uh, yeah, I mean I I like I freaking love the soundtrack. It starts out with Ramstein and which is just a it's a killer scene. Bang bang. And uh I don't know. I mean, it takes me back to when like that time, like m- late middle school, early high school, like this is this is the kind of thing that I was super into and I still think this movie rocks.
1: Yeah, th- this is as 2002 as you get right here. Like Todd, th- this belongs in a category like Triple X and the one like yeah. are, are like their own category of like Todd's guilty pleasure, early two thousands action movies. Uh, what I was struck by, but, all right, so this, I've seen this far fewer than you have, maybe, maybe twice, something like that. And I haven't seen this in probably 17 years. Uh, so I, there was a lot I did not remember about this movie. Uh, but it is it's so just undeniably fun that that's what i was struck by and i was struck by just how much like you said it's basically a bond movie in so many ways and i didn't realize that until this time like i i mean you have you have your your m you have your q you have the bond girls you have um you even have the the uh you know the 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 ending scene where he gets the girl and is sitting on the beach somewhere i mean it it follows the formula of a classic bond movie to a t uh the difference is you have uh again as early 2000s as you can get an extreme sports star who apparently is the first viral video guy before youtube was a thing uh and uh yeah this movie, it's just a blast this movie It's so much fun. (laughs) I'm glad you still think so. Yeah, it is. It is. You you, you can't help but have fun with it. It's dumb, but it's fun. I I, Like when they first show Ahab and they're showing like how, how, what it can do and all this stuff. And I'm like, dude, there's still 45 minutes left in this movie. (laughs) It's going to be like a 40 minute action scene. And it totally was. i mean that
0: is a bond movie like that like the scene going down the the side of the mountain like that that is as like (laughs) that looks like a scene out of honor majesty secret service or something (laughs) with more explosions
1: (laughs) yeah and and a snowboard instead of skis yeah yeah all right zach you're the one that gave this three and a half stars once upon a time
2: obviously i love it the most no i think um I saw this movie because uh, my boy, Roger Ebert, gave it three and a half stars. Um, Incidentally, he also gave three and a half stars to 2002 movies like Gangs of New York and Chicago and The Pianist. Uh, So one wonders really where his... I mean, uh, he had an unadulterated love for this movie, um, which is pretty amazing. Really nice uh, Ebert and Roper review that I was watching earlier today when Roper just sat there in disbelief and... Maybe a sign of Raj's impending sentimentalism three years later when he named Crash the best movie of the year. Anyway, um, watching it today, I agree with Terry. I mean, wow, 2002. I mean, you know, Rammstein, Uh Have you ever been to a Romstein concert, Todd? I, I, no. They've got to be a top three band that I would love to see live. Not because I care about the music. I care about the flames. <laughs> Seriously? I want to see the Pyrotechnics. At a Romstein concert,
1: I I think I think at a Romstein concert from now on they have to crowd surf a cadaver.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Those flames were indoors too. It wasn't an outside concert. That was like a small venue. (laughs) Did you guys get some weird vibes? Like the non-Romstein, non—you know—Hitler Youth music felt a lot like the Madden 2005 soundtrack. Anyway, was, yeah, I,
1: there was a little bit of that in there. There was like I Bush
0: mean, and uh, we were heard drowning pool. Like we <laughs> sort of bonded,
2: cool stuff. Probably the Foo Fighters on there somewhere.
1: Was it? Wasn't it? Let the bodies hit the floor.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. You,
1: got, you gotta have that at that if you're in you know early 2000s.
2: Well, listen, I don't know if this movie holds up. I don't know if that's a question that you really ask with a movie like this. I mean, it's obviously <laughs> like an artifact from a different era. You know, movies like this aren't made anymore. Uh, if this movie was made today, it would obviously be some sort of Marvel bullshit. So I—that's a point for the movie—is that this movie is not Marvel bullshit, and it is uh, overlong. It's stuffed. It feels like a, one of those huge freaking sandwiches that you can get at Subway if you put in every single ingredient, because this movie <laughs> has every single ingredient. I will—I'm just—I'll just be honest. I went into this movie uh, a couple nights ago. Um, shall we say? I'm not going to say quite in an impaired state. But in a very enjoyable state. And that is the wrong way to go into this movie because it is goddamn complicated. I, like, I had to stop watching. I'm like, who the who the hell was that police guy that he just shot? Wait, like, what's going on? She's a she's a spy for the Americans? I don't get it. Why is Samuel L. Jackson watching an opera all by himself? It was very confusing. <laughs> Uh, so i did yeah. have to go I, it's strange because i think we've reviewed i i would dare say more intelligent movies than this and uh, i actually this is the one that i had to go back and kind of say like wow this screenplay is kind of freaking like uh, i mean it has amazing zingers like the stuff about pissing on cheese i mean that's that's academy <laughs> award-winning dialogue right there that, that but was the I, lyrics <laughs> Listen, I think this is an l. This is a remnant of the early two thousands. You even get the post nine eleven hysteria with Xander's American flag parachute and the things I'm going to do for my country and you know the gung ho bullshit. I love it. I miss that patriotism, man. F- yeah, George W. Bush. Um, so, uh, I love that. I love the you know how it was self contained in that era. <coughs> um i think it's a pretty bad movie but it was a fun experience watching i don't know how anyone takes it seriously it did get a sequel which i've never seen two but oh really two yeah yeah the 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 first sequel
1: had ice cube in the main role and then xander came back for the third one and apparently there's a triple x4 on vin diesel's filmography that has uh been announced
2: well, I will also just say this plot was complicated, and it made it worse by the fact that I couldn't just look up up XXX on Google because that would get me into a lot of trouble. So it's hard to find reliable sources about this movie. So that's maybe in part why I didn't remember half the scenes that Terry was talking about. And I really don't understand anything that happened in this movie, but it was fun to watch. It was a great experience to watch uh maybe todd can piece together some aspects of the story but it was did, did I, it wasn't just me wasn't me in an impaired state <laughs> where, like in the last 30 minutes of this movie are the same as the rock i mean it was like the exact same even down to the green goo and the rockets i mean that was pretty amazing <laughs> just gotta get some rockets
0: there, there are some <laughs> there, there is some of the rock in there i was thinking that too I was also thinking there was some Tropic Thunder in there, especially when they go to Columbia. Like, that would, totally have like the Tropic <laughs> Thunder thing. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I, I think uh, it, it does make sense, but there are a lot of moving parts, and there are a lot of characters that don't really matter that you are introduced to. Like, they do matter.
1: Like the Like, Ivans. The, uh, like, like the Ivans. The <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, the, and cop, the, Ivans. the Cop, in a way, yeah. You're both Ivan? <laughs> I, I didn't realize that well, the Ivans are on screen for literally maybe 10 seconds. Like they're driving him in that scene where he's like, "Wait, you're both Ivan." And then when they when they pop in with Yelena later on, he's like, "What no. are you doing with the Ivans?" That's like, well, the only no, times are on."
0: No, the, the, the one dies, like the one gets yeah, he's, gets he's shot in in, in in the into the water oh. by by Yorgi, and the other Ivan's like Ivan, <laughs> like oh, because that was All Ivan right. too.
2: <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, they're they're very, very minor characters. There's also like odd beats in this movie where like it should be a revelation that something happens, but it's not. It's treated very casually. So like, for example, when both Xander and Yelena are exposed as spies, I don't think anyone cares. It's like the movie doesn't really care. Like it's supposed to be a big plot point, kind of like the excessive characters that don't matter. It's just one of 20 different layers to this movie. So you're saying it was like the writer was like
0: chain smoking like uh like the one character was the entire time like just like yeah oh, yeah this sounds like a great idea <laughs> throw that in there too
2: kareel <laughs> C- that's his name just, uh, i would smoke even when i was dead <laughs> this movie also had a weird combination of clearly scenes that were shot on a sound stage like the whole i think the whole colombian scenes were pretty clear on some sort of closed set and then there's odds, early 2000s, like primitive digital CGI that doesn't quite work in this movie, like the avalanche stuff, which looks very corny on a TV like the one I was watching. Yeah. Uh, but it's sort of a fascinating hybrid. And again, it's just an art. It's like you're, a, you're an archaeologist and you uncovered this, this <laughs> bone or something from a different era. And it's fascinating to study and very confusing.
1: Yet so much fun to watch.
2: Like It is fun yeah. to watch. And it is our third Vin Diesel movie. And it in definitely... Th- third year in a row we've done one of these <laughs> for a 20-year anniversary. I think the, the way they pitched this movie was obviously uh, Gone in 60 Seconds plus The Fast and Furious. And this is probably the best thing that could have popped out of that, uh, you know, throwing two things in the, in the glass together, you know?
1: Well, especially it's the same director as Fast and Furious. So... And it's the same
2: car as Gone in 60 Seconds.
1: I was thinking that is it the same car? I don't know if it it is the exact same no, car, but it, it's it's it, pretty close. It tries to look like it for sure. It it is definitely trying to be a cousin of the Fast and Furious.
0: I guess oh. I didn't realize it was the same director as Fast and Furious, but that does make sense.
1: Yeah. Can you mad can you imagine like you're talking about how much it parts resemble the rock? Can you imagine if Michael Bay got his hands on a Triple X movie? <laughs> why didn't that happen?
0: Yeah, we probably should have.
1: Uh <clears throat> all right. So
0: why why does like Vin Diesel have like the first movie in a series and it's really popular? Then he goes away and, and then he comes, comes back. then he comes back after seeing his the IP fail without him and then it becomes like a big thing again. Well, obviously
2: he thought that pe- projects like the Path Pacifier were the direction he wanted to take his career, right? He was above triple X by that point.
0: I guess, but he came back to Triple X. He came back to Fast and the Furious after two movies after that sucked. I don't know. I mean, it's it's weird. Like, I mean, he is obviously the draw to this movie. I I think they thought this was a very easy pitch, but it was because Vin Diesel's in it that it was so popular. It'd be like having The Rock in it or something.
1: It'd be like, okay,
0: like that would be a super popular movie. But anybody else, it probably wouldn't work very well.
1: I think that's the only comparison you can draw is that it's kind of like if it, it like The Rock's movies nowadays. Like The Rock can do like Rampage and Skyscraper and stuff like this and get, it, get away with it just on the simple fact that it's The Rock. And uh,
0: You place in with John Cena, it doesn't work, and then <laughs> The Rock can make another one and be a huge hit again.
1: Exactly, exactly. All right, well, uh, let's get into uh, our first topic of conversation, which is, uh, this is something Todd fought for, and I think I think it, I think it's fair to fight for this. I think it's fair to fight for this. Ta- um Mount Rushmore Vin Diesel performances. Mount Rushmore of Vin Diesel performances. And for this, we are gonna go to Zach first.
2: Oh, you're gonna go to me first. Todd, Todd fought for this, even though it's his episode. <laughs> that, that means he's it last mean, <laughs> it means that somebody didn't like this Mount Rushmore, and it probably wasn't Terry. Uh so, I didn't
1: care. I I I, th- I just I decided it was a good Mount Rushmore
2: because it's, a, it's not you, a bad not a
1: power ranking because it's not a
2: come. bad Mount Rushmore. It's just I haven't seen that many Vin Diesel movies, so I look at his IMDb. I mean, the guy's not really my kind of actor. He hasn't been in a Darden Brothers movie or an Oscar Farhadi movie exactly. So I don't really know where to draw from. Um, I mean, the obvious choice is I think the movie that Terry's going to pick. So I kind of want to steer clear of that. And I really wanted to make. A bullshit. Pick whatever. Pick your, pick I, I whatever want to pick, pick a, a, a contrarian, um, contrarian pick, but I don't really have a, a lot of options on here. So uh, this is why I didn't want to start with me. I, I don't know. I think I would have to go boiler room. I mean, he's pretty good in that movie, right? We 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 deep dove it last year. I mean, it's kind of like a serious role that he doesn't tend to have anymore. And, uh, you know, he in a movie with a lot of towering performances, he's I think I voted him the, the, the MVP of that movie or the highest war. So I go with the I, I think he had he ha, I don't know if he has anymore. He had potential at some point to be a serious actor. I never saw find me guilty. So I, this probably won't uh. pop me up and uh, pop up on this list anywhere. But I, I feel like that's the route that maybe he should have taken his career instead of doing stupid bullshit. But I don't know.
0: It yeah. was two years ago we did Boiler Room and yeah he is he is the best performance in that movie he is, I mean his scene with uh, the doctor is just awesome.
1: Yeah, he's he yeah he definitely shows he's got some acting chops and stuff like Boiler Room and right before Boiler Room he had a really small role in Saving Private Ryan.
2: See that's why I thought you were going to go with Terry. I, I was leaving that for you.
1: No no I'm going to go with Find Me Guilty because I think that is where he actually is able to be the one thing he's, he's given a star role in where he can actually act like he's given enough to do that. He can actually show that he can act. Um, And I wish he, he had done more stuff like that. I mean, he's just become this, this action star cliche. Now I think I saw at one point, no, I heard him say in an interview at one point that he was working on trying to do a, uh, a movie where he was going to play Hannibal the Conqueror.
0: He still is working on. Is that. Is he still idea.
1: working on that? Man, that would that would be awesome to see him in like a middle like or just an ancient history type of deal like that. That would be cool. But um, but yeah, I'm going to find me guilty. It's a it's an amazing performance. Sydney Lumet's last film. Uh, and he and has hair. He has hair, and it works. It works. You you know. All right. You know what? Vin, if Vin Diesel did not go, and I'm thinking about this in terms of find me guilty in the hair he shows there. If Vin Diesel had not gone the, like, I'm gonna make ten Fast and Furious movies, um, he'd be Bobby Cannaval today. It kind of looks like him. Like, he, he'd he be a buff Bobby Cannaval.
2: See, I sort of think that he could have had the career of Mickey Rourke. I think he did not opt for serious, sometimes experimental projects the way that Rourke did in the late 80s. And as a result, he suffered, but like I think he could have been that buffed off, you know. But like tragic, sadly tragic character that Mickey Rourke would portray, especially in the 2000s. And that's a comparison I see. And a lost, lost career.
1: Yeah, that's not bad. All right, Todd. Why well, the Vin- and find me guilty or gone? Who are you going with?
0: <laughs> well, Vin Diesel. I he is. If you ever hear him talk about his his career, he does take his career very seriously, and he is like a trained actor. He, he. Uh, he has wanted. He has had these passion projects. He's wanted to do. He's worked with Ang Lee. He's worked with Sidney Lumet, um, Steven Spielberg. I mean, he was in Awakenings apparently. Um, but uh, but I don't know. I mean, he he did like. I'm gonna choose the movie that he uh, also wrote and directed in the '90s. It's called Strays, and it is a almost no budget movie that I watched. I think it was an extra on a the on some DVD I have, and uh, but it is. He he actually shows like th- that type of charisma that you that you need to be the the lead of a true like indie drama and uh, he is he is extraordinary in that and I, I wish he would direct again I know he wants to direct that Hannibal movie eventually but this is the only time that he ever got he ever did something completely his own and like, that's the type of career that he wanted to have but he got stuck doing all the franchise
1: stuff dude he is in Awakenings how bizarre is that.
2: I've seen a lot of hospital orderlies that look like him—buff, bald guys, you know, in their twenties. That's like the demographic. Nineteen
1: ninety? I mean, what? What is he there? He's twenty-three, yeah,
2: and he's a lot older than he looks. Okay. Is it too? Up for, but- is it too off to believe that Vin Diesel could have been the whale this year? Like, there is a world where Vin Diesel is the whale, right? <laughs> that would be awesome. I mean Brandon right. Fraser is not that different from Vin Diesel. I think he came along a little earlier and had a different trajectory, but like I think we need a, let's campaign right now, right here, right now in this podcast for a, a whale for, for Vin Diesel. So a, I'd a, love a, to see a,
0: it. so we need Aronofsky to get in yeah.
2: contact with Vin Diesel. He did it for Mickey Rourke, he did it for Brendan Fraser. Now see but here's Vin the, problem. Is the next logical the, choice. The only movies
0: in production for him are A Guardian A Guardians 3, Fast Ten.
2: Triple X4 and another Riddick movie. Well, he, he's not late enough in his career. He needs to bottom out a little bit more. Let's get some really, really like, you know, being arrested by the Santa Monica police and sleeping on a park bench overnight, you know, with Eric Roberts. That's what we need in his career to happen before he gets the rehabilitation by Aronofsky. What about Bloodshot? Was that a DC movie? I never saw that, actually.
1: I don't think
2: so. Did you guys watch the Riddick movies? I've never seen them. No. No. I've seen the first two. I don't know. remember really my when thing. Bloodshot came out. How about A Man Apart? Did you guys see that? That was, one, yeah, was supposedly one, one of Gray. the most movies. Never saw it. Uh, never F. saw it's Knock n- Never around saw guys. Knock Around, guys. Never saw um, Find Me Guilty, I said. I mean, there's just not a lot on here. Um, highest I'm- War,
0: you have to say, is probably Groot. Because, I mean... He says like three words, and he's getting paid millions <laughs> and millions of dollars for
1: it. That's true. Uh, I was gonna say really I remember Bloodshot. You mentioned Bloodshot. I remember it, and the reason I remember it, and I had to look it up to make sure it was one of the last theatrical releases before COVID hit. Mm. Mm. Like it was, it. I, I just its release date was March thirteenth, twenty twenty. So it was like that Friday the world ended, was
2: when. It came out. That's unfortunate. Did you guys so, see Billy Lynn's halftime walk? Was he? Did you yeah. remember him in that movie? Yeah, he, he's one hundred eighty a second.
0: He has about as big of a part as Steve Martin.
1: All right. So, what are we going with as our uh, as our consensus? I kind of feel like we got to go with Dominic Toretto. I mean, it, it's it's not a
2: over Xander Cage though.
0: Well, I think I think Xander is the perfect mix of his his uh able his ability to deliver one-liners and still be like the actual action hero of the movie because he's never the lead in any of the in any of the fast and furious movies
2: that's true I and mean, fasting... go ahead i was just saying
0: here it is the movie is completely reliant on him to to to, to deliver the goods
2: yeah, I would pick Triple X because, especially in the first Fast and Furious movie, where I think it's probably the most nuanced performance by Ben Diesel, it's still Paul Walker's movie. Paul Walker has to do a lot more. There's a lot more, more, uh, you know, expressiveness with that character. So I think you go with Xander Cage also because okay. I think you could make the case that maybe it's more iconic early 2000s. I can go with that. He's kind of. Uh... He's kind of forgettable in
1: Saving Private Ryan. Like the only way you know that it's, a, it, he's memorable is because you go back and watch and go, Hey, that's Vin Diesel. Uh, that's, that's really about it.
2: There's yeah, a, I, yeah, there's a handful of those in Saving Private Ryan. I, I yeah. want to go back yeah. to what something Todd said earlier. Are we really sure that Vin Diesel took his career seriously? I mean, are we, are we looking at the titles on this IMDB? Because it is not, it is not great. It's, uh, it's a little brutal. I
1: think I feel like he's one that started there and then he he saw the money and saw where and but that's and not Apollo. taking your
0: career seriously. But he still works he still worked with uh Aang Lee six years ago. I mean it's I mean, he he does it sort of in there. I mean it's way less frequent than Nicolas Cage, but that that he does a, a good movie, but I don't know. It's I don't know. He's not he's not Van Dam, basically is what I'm saying. Do you know yeah. Vin Diesel's
2: real name? I thought this might have been a trivia question.
1: Oh, that that would have been a good
2: one. I, I, I real real name is Mark Sinclair. <laughs> wow. And I I feel like I I feel like that's a Brian contradiction Spilner. because <laughs> Xander Spilner. Cage is probably a better stage name than Vin Diesel. I agree. <laughs> So Mark Sinclair, if you're going with a name, I think you go with the Zander Cage, maybe your distant relative Nicholas Cage. The the Vin Diesel sounds a little bit, I don't know, uh, motor vehicle or something. Yeah, that's a good call. That's a good call. Uh,
1: wow, Mar- Mark. Mark yeah. Sinclair. Mark Sinclair. I was gonna. I almost made a trivia question. I couldn't find it though. I was trying to find the highest grossing movies that started with an X.
2: Hmm. That's a good question. Xanadu? No, that was a. Well,
1: like the top, the the top like eight are going to be X Men movies. Yeah,
2: all X Men. Yeah. And then uh, then X -X X will be up there. X X X Y with Mark Ruffalo. That was a good one. That probably made two dollars.
1: But I could I couldn't find a list anywhere that would give me just like the the box office by by letter.
2: But see, what's fascinating about this movie from a grammar standpoint, and I hate to focus on this because it's not like we've ever talked about grammar on this podcast before, but <laughs> what's fascinating is it's not triple X. It's lowercase X, uppercase X, and lowercase X. I mean, what is the logic behind that? I was thinking about like the symbolism of it. Is it that he got his first X when with the stunt with the Corvette, and so most of the movie is the second X when he's in Czechoslovakia? Like I'm confused. I think
1: it's the tattoo. Like it, 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 he's got the tattoo, but the tattoo is because he's he's X, and he just has the other X's for decoration.
2: But why is the why is the middle X capitalized? Is my question.
1: Because he's X. <laughs> I don't know. It's like it's like why it's it's like you, you get those like monogrammed things where your your last name is like the big. The, the last initial is the big letter in the middle. And then you got your first and middle on the
2: either side. See, I think there's some symbolism there. I think Rob Cohen was thinking something. It was not communicated. It would be interesting if Maxine comes out with a lowercase, uppercase, lowercase X, like an ode to triple X, but I, I think there's something there. It's conspiracy theory.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, our Mount Rushmore is um uh, boiler room. Find me guilty strays and triple X. Of the greatest Vin Diesel performances. Those were my four top ones. I was waiting for someone to say Guardians of the Galaxy.
2: Is Stray's really good? I'm not even seeing it here on IMDb. I've never heard of this movie before.
0: Yeah, I mean, I gave it three stars. I I mean, I saw it years ago, but I do remember
2: him being like... Oh, wow.
1: 1997.
2: Wow, this seems like a come to the stable if I've ever seen one. But I've already seen it. (laughs) (laughs) Life is a matador. Is that the tagline? What does that mean?
1: Written and directed by Vin Diesel.
2: Yeah, it it, it looks pretty great. It looks very like it, this should be a, a VHS cassette.
0: That be, be. I remember right. it. It kind of reminded me of that Nicholas Cage movie that he directed, Sunny. or something like that. You know, I mean, it's not it's that level of low budget. I mean, obviously there's no famous people in this one, but you know, did
2: Vin Diesel ever Except do a movie Mike with Nicholas
1: Cage? i don't think so
2: okay Mm. all
1: right let's do recasting now uh let's get into this we're recasting four characters starting with xander cage if triple x were made today who would play xander cage besides you know vin diesel since he's still playing xander cage (laughs) um the uh i'll go first I've got three names written down. I'm deciding which one I like the best. Yeah, I'm going to go uh, kind of off of a movie Todd made me watch for the last podcast. I'm going Yaya Abdul-Mateen.
2: Okay. Nice.
1: I could see it work. I could see him being a um, a big time action star. Todd, who do you have?
0: I mean, I, I mean, I just don't think there are that many Vin Diesel's like ever that have that are that have the physicality to pull this kind of thing off, but also have like the charm. I I mean, I just I just wrote down Tom Hardy because I couldn't come up with anything.
1: <laughs> yeah, it, it it was hard to come up with a with someone like that. All right, Zach, who do you have?
2: I know you guys are gonna shit on my pick, but I want you to just think about it for a second because it would totally work. Okay. I didn't go for the bulk and the you know weaponry of Xander Cage. I went for the humor of Xander Cage. Remember, look at what we do to funny guys. Do you want to see? Uh, I went with Aaron Paul. Because Aaron Paul has been bald before. He, I mean, Tom Hardy's not going to steal a Corvette because he's upset about video games being banned. That's a Jesse Pinkman type thing to he's do. He's not going to jump out of
0: a car as it's falling off a bridge either. <laughs>
2: Okay, well, maybe there's a few stunts that go wrong. Jess- Tom Hardy's not going to become a viral star shooting videos are, of himself Are you stunts. casting
1: Aaron Paul, or are you casting I'm Jesse I'm casting Pink-
2: Jesse Pinkman, okay? <laughs> I know he's not a real person, but Jesse Pinkman would have filmed those stunts and uploaded them on some primitive version of YouTube in 2002. And... He would have had a bad attitude, you know, and that's that's Xander Cage. You know, if you read the opening line of Ebert's review of Triple X, it's Triple X stars Vin Diesel as a smart-ass Bond with a bad attitude. I like the bad attitude more than a smart-ass Bond, so I'm going with Jesse Pinkman, who was bald by the last season, by the way. This stunt is going to be the bomb, yo. (laughs) It's science, yo.
1: (laughs) Magnets, bitch. Uh, He was
0: named Xander, though. That would just be... I don't know.
1: I mean, his
2: drug dealer name is Diesel. Yes! (laughs) Oh, Terry! (laughs) Great point. Great point to back that up. There we go. Point for Terry. Bing! Nicely done. All right. right.
1: (laughs) Todd's on board now. You have to think Uh, about it. It sounds ridiculous, but it actually is kind of the
2: perfect movie.
1: So the other two I had written down... Uh, were more like for the charisma side of things. I had Anthony Ramos written down who is like the guy who was like the lead in In the Heights. He's going to be the the lead in the new Transformers movie coming out soon. I don't know. He could bulk up and do it. The other one I think would be a lot of fun would be Simu Liu Shang-Chi. I could see him pull it off. That would be cool. I was also thinking you might
2: pick Peter Dinklage.
1: (laughs) uh that no
0: i mean no. he's
2: got a bad attitude he'd probably i think be it'd be really funny, funny
0: to see him hanging from the ceiling on a rope like by his arms the,
2: the physical <laughs> logistics of that scene would have to be altered a bit but it could work
0: so you're gonna get back up to
2: that because board. He th- remember he says i'm laughing at how short you are danny trejo is apparently not very tall so i think he'd have to have to be like on an apple box or something He'd have to lift up <laughs> Could he smell the the machete from there? Maybe you have to bend down. I think I smell blood. You have to stop. You have to stop. (laughs) Can he even reach the pedals of the the motorcycle? (laughs) Yeah, that's a big question, too. And the same with the GTO. I think the parachuting might have been easier, though, because he could have just slid down, less body weight.
1: (laughs) Uh, Oh, man.
2: <laughs> the uh, avalanche would have eaten him up pretty quickly. Though. That would have been pretty, oh, pretty yeah. cool They make snowboards uh, in that size. But, I think would have been probably a lot shorter did. movie. Well,
0: I mean, well, uh, he, he like Xander does uh, pretty much like skateboard on like a I don't know uh, like a cookie sheet or something. You yeah, so, I mean, that, it, 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 that to, go to, to go down br- the mountain.
2: Increase the verisimilitude of that scene. <laughs> oh man. Uh, okay. <laughs> Moving
1: on. Next one, we got Agent Augustus Gibbons played by Samuel L. Jackson. Who would play this character today besides Samuel L. Jackson because it's basically <laughs> Nick Fury? Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I went with uh Jamie Fox. I felt right. Yep.
2: yep,
0: Well, there's only one answer of who would play this, and it's who should play it. It's John
2: Hamm. Oh, he plays <laughs> yeah. that in every movie. <laughs>
1: I like that
2: i like that yeah i think we're all on the same wavelength i went with anthony mackie yeah oh nice nice
1: all right uh yelena played by asia argento this one was a little tougher because you got to find someone like i mean no one really knew much about her at the time she was kind of an up-and-comer
0: She's um, Dario Argento's daughter, so she's Italian, not definitely not Russian.
2: <laughs> right. Well, and and that and that's, that's kind of part of it too. Is like theme of this movie, people not playing like, their nationalities, kind of
1: racial ambiguity of it. And so I went with someone that is also not Russian, but I think I think it would work really well. I went with Ivana Baquerol, who we know most for being the little girl in Pan's Labyrinth. But Comeback like, story. What?
0: Amia, yeah, come back.
1: Yeah, be a comeback story. Well, she's done some stuff recently. Like she was in oh, what was it? Um she was in a movie like last year. Um that was like a big big movie. What was it? It was um Black Friday, the the like horror comedy movie that came out. Mm. She was in. She was also in um in a TV show called High Seas that was on Netflix for a while. So she's done stuff. But uh, I think it would work, that's what I'm going with it.
0: Yeah, uh, I said Jodie Comer because she does have she does play a lot of that in uh, in Killing Eve. She she does have a a very a very thick Russian accent, even though she's not Russian. And I, I she's awesome in these kind of like pseudo action movie kind of roles, even though it's really not the kind of actress I think she wants to be, but that she's really good at it.
2: Nice. That would be like if she looked at Vin Diesel's uh, uh, <laughs> filmography and said, I want to be like that. It's probably not a great career move.
1: All right. Zach, what do you
2: got? This was the easiest for me to cast. I went with Academy Award nominee uh, Maria Bakalova as Elena.
1: Oh, there you go. Just, yeah, we can all give up now.
2: Directed
0: by Judd Apatow. <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right. Yorgi, played by Martin Zokas, who's kind of made a career by basically playing this character in every movie.
2: But he's not Um, Russian. I mean, not that his amazingly authentic accent would have ever led you to believe he wasn't Russian. He's actually from New Zealand. He's a Kiwi.
1: (laughs) That's hilarious. All right. uh, My pick is uh, I I tried to Come as I'm watching this, I'm like, he looks like someone and I couldn't quite figure it out, but I came up with someone that was close, and that's Luke Evans. That's my pick for Yorgi.
0: Yeah, that's not bad. I um I said Joel Kinneman. Uh oh. I think he's he's actually Swedish. I mean, at least it's some something around that area, I guess. And plus he 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 is he needs more of these like really cool villain roles because he's a he's a He's he's got that really, I don't know, sinister face. He he's never going to be like a the true protagonist of action movies. He's got to be he's got to have more mo- movies like this for he can play the villain.
1: But they keep on trying to make him the lead in an action movie.
0: I mean, he was fine in RoboCop, but that's really not what he's what he's going to be doing. He was
1: RoboCop. I was thinking Suicide Squad.
2: Yeah, he was in that too.
1: Yeah. Also for all mankind, but that's not an action movie. He's one of the leads in that.
2: Zach. Uh, I went with Kenneth Branagh, because he he can speak Russian or he did at least in tenet. and um I don't know. I mean, there's probably I think this is a pretty easily recastable role. i uh, I mean, I thought about like uh, who was that guy? who was the guy we said should have gotten an Oscar nominated nomination in West Side Story. Um, Mike Mike faced. Yes. Faced. I think like. Feist, yeah, I feel like he could have done it, or Corey Stoll could have done it. I don't know, anybody could have done it, and Catherine Brana did do it before. So Corey Stoll's not bad. That's a good pick. All right, who did Nicholas Cage play? Oh, the
1: other the the Ivans. Oh, I did not recast the Ivans.
0: Basically, I wanted a a duo of 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 killer character actors that uh, we love and. Uh, they both are actually movies that we deep dove that they are in. I, I went with Kevin Corrigan, and uh, and Johnny Strong. Johnny Strong being Leon from the Fast and the Furious movies, which he never came back. He needs his his uh, reunion in a an Ivan Diesel movie. Johnny <laughs> Strong and Kevin Corrigan as the Ivans.
1: I'm gonna go with uh, as the Ivans the uh, the uh, Bogdanovich brothers from the NBA. <laughs> <laughs>
2: That would be pretty good. <laughs> that would be
1: pretty good. All well, right, Originally anymore?
2: I wrote down Wrightman and the Terrible as the two best Ivans, but in terms of actors, I would go with Aaron Taylor Johnson and Brian Tyree Henry because ah, there we they go. were in that Train movie, and we said they should have a spinoff because the rest of that movie was garbage. But they would have been good duo at something.
1: I like, I like that it. movie. All right, uh, who would Nicholas Cage
2: play? I said Gibbons. Great question. I think at, at different points of his career, he could have played every char- every male character in this movie. Much. Yeah, in
0: in the '90s, this is this is. I mean, he's, he's Xander Cage.
1: I mean, uh, I'm Xander Cage. <laughs> <laughs> but of course you are. Welcome to the Xander Zone. Welcome to the Xander Zone. <laughs> <laughs> this now, movie even I, I had the... now he's Gibbons. There there was a time where he was Yorkie too, though. So yeah. Maybe maybe motion capture and he can play both Ivans,
2: de aging, <laughs> <laughs> both Ivans.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, um, yeah. Nick plays one of them, and Nikki plays the other.
2: No, it'd be <laughs> Donald Kaufman who'd. Play but they're
0: the not. Animal. The thing is, they have the first same first name, the last name. They're not twins, <laughs>
1: but <laughs>
0: it could still work though.
1: What, you're both Ivan. Uh, all right. <laughs> what else do you guys have? A- any others there?
0: No, that's all I wrote down.
1: All right. Who would uh, who would '90s Giamatti play?
2: Agent Shavers. <laughs> Which one's that? The, he's, he's the, the Q. But... he's the Q. Oh, yeah. That would be too yeah. big of a role for '90s Giamatti, though. He actually has speaking lines.
1: He, I, I said, I said he would play the actual valet after Xander stole the Corvette.
2: Yeah, that's not bad. I was more thinking like because he's always doing something on surveillance. He'd have to be like in the fortress at the avalanche where they're looking through those old like 80s TV sets. And he's like, uh, intruder coming this way. I don't know if he could do the Russian accent, but I think he's I think he he, he operates the, the TV monitors.
1: <clears throat>
2: wouldn't be the first
1: uh, wouldn't be the first uh, Vin Diesel, Paul Giamatti movie because they were both random little parts in Saving Private Ryan
0: yeah see but in the 90s he did like Giamatti did have talking parts like he has a, he has like a whole scene in saving Prime Ryan and he he has Truman like, Show. a few scenes in yeah, the Truman Show and in uh private parts and my best friend's know.
2: wedding it was just limited what the dialogue was but see it's weird because like in my best friend's wedding and Donnie Brasco we talked about he has some important dialogue so like it's odd that he would have so little screen time, but sometimes be a very vital part. Like he's the one that got the freaking boat in Donnie Brasco, right? He should be the cop. Yes. There we go. He's the cop because the cop he's doesn't the cop. say a lot, but he's an important part of the movie for some reason that I never quite understood.
0: When, like the, the, the double agent.
2: Yeah. 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 The cop that's shot there that, that tries to break in when they do the okay. car sales,
0: but he would have to scale the side of a building. He's <laughs> <J-Lani's laughs> ever been able to do that. <laughs>
1: that's a valid point that is a valid point all right what does adam think this movie is about
2: well i said that silent night would be a great adam like adam horror movie so maybe he thought it was about that or silent night excuse me
0: i i think he thinks it's a um an alternate title to a, a pre famous part of his career porno that diesel did all absolutely the party of kitty and studs for Sylvester how
1: many people yeah. went and saw this movie because they thought it was a porno
0: I definitely did there probably <laughs> were at least a, a couple thousand I would say
1: somewhere in the back of my mind I had Can
2: that I, that uh that thought in my head of I'm, when, I'm when pretty I sure it. that's why Ebert gave it three and a half stars
0: <laughs> he, thought, he he thought there was a lesbian scene in there.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Highest war. Let's go to uh let us go to Zach first on this one.
2: I mean, listen, I I know you guys are going to be pissed off about this pick, but I got to go with Danny Trejo. I mean, no Damn one you. No one can do a scene quite like that. Like, you know, he comes in a, and, you know, I'm, I'm going to expose what I think is the line of this movie already. But when, you know, he's like, uh, listen, funny guy, I'm going to show you what we do to funny guys. And he doesn't have a Russian accent. But like, I love the line that Vin Diesel says, what are you going to do? Hog us and force us to listen to your bad accent. That's the way I feel about this whole movie. Um, and he is, uh, he's tremendous in that scene because he has a machete. It's amazing. It's like t- this movie did some weird sort of time travel or something, but, uh, yeah, he's great. Uh, that's, that's the moment in the movie that I was like fully invested in it. Um, and, uh, yeah, he's, he's awesome. And nobody could do that role quite like Danny Trejo. It was you Fredo. I knew it was you.
1: I knew it was you Fredo.
2: See oh, Terry agrees was, to me. That was he my, was my was pick. Take yeah.
1: That was my pick. All right. Todd. It's like the
2: one instance of good acting in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, it's, it's, good it's like
1: it's like it's one of many instances of typecasting is really what it is, <laughs> but Sure. Todd, what do you got? This
2: has uh, to be one of the worst acted movies we've ever deep dove. But all right, go ahead. <laughs> I don't. know. I,
0: I really like uh, Agia Argento. I like at the time she she popped up in probably at least a handful of movies that I really liked at the time. I even watched this movie that she directed called "The Heart Is Deceitful of All Things." I've seen that
2: shit. Yeah, it's she's a messed up movie.
0: She uh she's in that like Feruza bulk territory for me where like she's just a really interesting person to watch shannon sauceman i guess is sort of in that way too like early 2000s like these were like people that i've really liked to watch for some reason and um i think she actually de- is really good in this her accent goes in and out but that doesn't really matter i, I she's a,
2: a unique presence i'll say that let's see she's basically like what eva green became two years later it's it wasn't too- particularly yeah. that she was unique there's a
1: lot of casino royale in this movie
2: no kidding. There's a lot of bond in this movie. There's
1: a lot of bond in this movie. Like, if like you, you feel like, like Casino Royale took something from this, um, the Kingsmen took something from this.
2: I think there's a little Austin Powers in this movie. I mean, you're telling me that that dramatic fly in to the NSA headquarters wasn't straight out of Austin Powers?
1: Uh, all right. So I'll take Vin Diesel then. Yeah, um, I mean, it, it has to be said. It has to be said, and and just simply the fact that we couldn't come up with a good alternative for who would play this now. They tried with Ice Cube, and that that crap failed epically. Uh, he is he was such a unique, uh, especially then, uh, such a unique um uh, presence in that he could be like this, this soft version of himself but also he's this buff action star too they they don't make them like that anymore and uh yeah because now if you're gonna do that you gotta be a, a marvel superhero so
0: maybe channing tatum is the closest thing we have to vin diesel but even that it's not the same
1: yeah but i mean okay vin diesel is to xander cage as Channing Tatum is to Magic Mike. Like that that is about
0: Born to play the role.
2: Born to play the role. <laughs> there's there's the slightest bit of like cynical winsomeness in Vin Diesel that Channing Tatum doesn't have. Like it's a it's like a little bit of like Rick and Casablanca in Vin Diesel's persona like just a little bit of like like when he says the line like you're going to steal a guy that you're going to kidnap a guy to save the world he better want to say you want he better like the world like isn't there some line like that like that's yeah. that's straight out of like a Humphrey Bogart movie there's a little bit of like, like n- the or it is or something. exactly there's like a little bit of nihilism in it.
1: yeah and I think that's a that's a part of this that is uh, forgotten and not thought of very much is how he, he's this anti-establishment guy yeah we're, we're deconstructing this way too much okay uh this, this this is a good one here the bill paxton carrie Elwes memorial worst performance of the year award that's right carrie Elwes. we, we just you know we, we've memorialized him already um <laughs> it goes to who todd
0: uh so i wrote down Mary Pat Green, Tanner Gill, and Scott Waugh as the uh, the three p- uh, people oh. that have the problems in the diner because even Xander says their performances were
1: terrible.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and I agree. That's Mary Pat Green. Call. I've actually seen her in other stuff. I'll be like, who is that? And then I'll look it up it's like, oh yeah, that is the witch from Triple X. I knew that.
2: <laughs> I thought her performance was pretty good. To do the eye <coughs> movement like that without moving the rest of your head is, I think, something but she's definitely moving her hand a lot pouring the coffee i love that i love that this movie really thinks it's smart you know it really thinks it's smart with the whole financial time who would read the financial times on a sunday morning the markets are closed it's the intro the the intro test for him <laughs> all right he's a, he's uh... a master of deduction He's the modern day Sherlock Holmes.
0: Well he he's like he's like you he had me going there for a little while. I was like, you've been awake for like 30 seconds. <laughs> okay, a little while.
1: Okay. All right. Uh my my pick is uh Michael Roof as agent shavers. He, <laughs> he didn't like Shavers. No, no, he he's terrible. He's terrible. I've all oh, and that was one thing as I was watching this and I was remembering all the different stuff. Like he comes on screen, I'm like, oh yeah. This guy's terrible. That's what I remembered about. Is he the
2: Q character? Yeah, he's a Q character. Okay. Yeah.
0: Yeah,
1: he's He's pretty bad.
0: He's basically like the. What's the guy in NCIS? The McGee. He's basically like McGee. (laughs) Like if McGee was put in this kind of movie.
1: Yeah, but uh, it it's he plays it up way too much, and he just is a goof. And I think it shows by the fact that he has six acting credits. Um, He was in Black Hawk Down apparently, but then he was in Triple X. Uh he was in Triple X2 as Shavers and he was in the Dukes of Hazard. Um then he was a special guest host on a TV show called Players on the Triple X episode, and then he was in some TV show called Hype. I don't know what that is.
2: But yeah. Yeah, he's not very good. I agree. No,
0: no,
1: he's not.
2: Zach? I think the obvious pick was more Morton Sokos as Yorgi. Um He's pretty awful in this movie. The, the fake accent uh, gets pretty obnoxious after a while. I like the scene where he's like in the club, like shouting. And for some reason, you can hear reverb in the soundtrack, even though there's apparently loud rave music playing, because that makes sense um i like his sideburns i like his tattoo his tattoo is like it's kind of like first grader uh triple x it looks almost like like out of a tex avery cartoon it's like a messed up tweety or something like that it's like a sad attempt uh at a tattoo but it just uh didn't work we should can we talk about the tattoos in this movie what are your guys thoughts about xander's tattoos this was a real hang-up for me watching this movie because i think those tattoos are pretty awful like I can't really. I think it's actually like a flaw in the movie that his tattoos are so bad that it's hard to believe that Xander would would actually get those.
0: I mean, he's a kid or he's a guy who didn't have a whole lot of direction. I assume he just got tattooed, whatever. And there's there's a reason why he's always wearing sleeveless shirts is because he needs to show them off. I don't think they're that bad. They're just designs. I think they're pretty. They're pretty. They're pretty nineties like. The one like, who has the best tattoo is uh is the lead singer Buck Cherry who's on there because you can totally tell because his entire back is the King of Hearts, <laughs> like the card the King of Hearts, and uh, he's at the party uh, like when uh, when Xander gets arrested.
1: Uh, I, yeah, I, I like the actual triple X tattoo. I think that's pretty cool.
2: That's, uh, that's the best part, I, I would agree. But I think the big son is very, like, 2004 Rashid Wallace. Like, it's a little bit just obnoxious and in-your-face. Anyway, I don't know what we're talking about. Oh, we were talking about worst performance. I, I give it to um, Martin Sokas, the Kiwi, playing the Russian, and I think he's pretty bad. Welcome right. to Anarchy 99.
1: <laughs> Amazing Larry, Big Tim, High Roller, minor character of the film. Uh, I've got two written down here. Uh, first one is uh no. It's not <laughs> the Ivans. Oh, uh, those are the, first, the, those are the two. And then the, it, it really could be, but uh no. The first one is JJ played by Eve.
0: Oh yeah, I hit her run down too.
1: Yeah, because she oh. shows up and it's like, hey, that's it's a great Eve. point.
0: And then she never shows yeah. up again. And she doesn't. She, she needed two more scenes. Like she has so much sass. Like she's a I she's know. the Michelle yeah. Rodriguez yeah. movie. Like God she, damn she, she it. could it, had more. You more know scenes. who she
1: is? She's the Monty Penny. Yeah. Shows up yeah. for one scene at the beginning of the movie after the the big epic for opening, and then disappears, and you never see her again. She's Monty Penny.
2: That's a great point. She I, I I've, I've forgotten that oh. she was in this movie until you just brought her up.
0: Yeah, another thing that puts you squarely in two thousand two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: Because <laughs> everyone saw that. And went, hey, Eve's in this movie.
0: Just like you saw. Oh, it's Tony Hawk. Oh, it's the lead singer <laughs> <of> Buck Cherry. <laughs>
1: Uh so then the other one I had written down was uh Kolya played by Peter Yakel, because uh I watched a movie directed by him earlier this year.
0: Oh I I knew that, you were going to come up and say this.
1: <laughs> yeah yeah. The uh the uh what medieval the uh what what's his name? I remember I,
0: this what, be, we Foster talked movie. about this on your review I think.
1: Yeah, that, that some random random side character in Triple X directed a movie <laughs> the the, the uh,
0: brother of Yorgi.
1: The brother of Yorgi. <laughs> yeah. He uh, yeah he's directed three movies, uh medieval ghoul and Kajnik, so yeah, I I, I saw That's him a good one. and I was like oh hey, it actually is him, so, and he's got he has one uh his character has one quote uh attributed to him on IMDb, and it's uh it's when uh, Yorgi says now that business is over we party. And then Koya goes, bitches, come. <laughs> That's his one book. <laughs> I know.
0: I was like, <laughs> okay. And they do. They all just flood in right
2: after that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, Zach, what do you got?
2: I have two. Uh, one of them um, was Senator uh, Dick Hodgkins. Hodgkins. <laughs> Hodgkins. <Yeah. Hotchkiss>. Uh, <laughs> great name for Senator um apparently does not rails against the video games <laughs> the video games and the skateboarding and the bad and influences music. and rap music as if we needed more reminders that this movie was set in 2002 and then um the other one i, I came up with was uh alena shelly clova as xander's bedroom dancer Apparently the only movie she was ever in. Um, I want to yeah. just know more about that character. I mean, she's kind how of How long was she
0: dancing before she and, got in? Well,
2: <laughs> look at all the candles in that scene. I mean, that's like an elaborate a good... setup. Um, I'm curious. Now, how long was happened. she hanging there waiting for him to walk in the room? <laughs> she's a from midair. Again, possibly a role that could have been recast as Peter Dinklage, if we're being honest. I mean, I think the size would have dictated that, but... Uh, yeah. And what happens if Yelena walks into the room? I mean, that's it's a, you know, really risking it there. But I I do want to know more about that character. It's a fascinating side piece to this movie um, that probably has a, a, a deeper story. Again,
1: what other evidence do you need that this is a Bond movie than <laughs> that scene? All right. Yeah, Todd, what do you got?
0: uh so i mean obviously i wrote down the ivan's but i also wrote down ramstein and i wrote mm-hmm. down tj who is uh the guy who is obsessed with uh stealing the cocoa plants uh when they are oh, yes. in the Colombia, yeah. and then all, like when they finally escape danny trejo and all that he, he sees what the carnage is going on and he just like i'm, I'm off for myself he's like he, he grabs a kilo of coke <laughs> he just like bolts, he's like <laughs> every man for himself <laughs> Oh, that guy's that's awesome I, I i wanted another scene with him but i'm pretty sure he he must have died like soon after that you, you gotta think
1: he did yeah because
0: the, the other guy comes back but he, the uh Tj i don't think you ever see him again after, after he takes off
1: and again uh, it, that that's that's the Kingsman right there right i mean you you put them all together and you train them and you see who passes the tests. So two others that I'm gonna that I'll throw out there that I just found in the uncredited part of IMDb. Rob Cohen, the director, played the Colombian horseman. That's all he's credited as, or uncredited as. And then um, an uncredited Navy SEAL was played by a guy named Rob Roy. So oh nice, I, nice. I have to throw the, that out. The there.
0: writer is also in the movie. He plays uh, oh. tall guy. Tall guy. <laughs> <laughs> not really sure where that comes in.
2: He's not even uncredited. He actually is credited. Uh. Can we talk a little more about Eve for a second? I, I wrote down yes. in my notes that she runs an underground website and is in charge of internet pre sales. So she's not just the money penny. She actually, I feel like she's his manager, right? Like she's the one Basically, that puts yeah. out. She's like the Chris Jenner to Kim Kardashian sex tape. I mean, she's like in charge of releasing it <laughs> pre internet, which really makes me think. I think the Eve conspiracy theory. No, wait, if this movie had a sequel, the sequel is obviously a Ryan Murphy series about the leaked Xander Cage tapes being put online illegally a la Pam and Tommy directed by uh, Ryan Murphy. But maybe that's just extrapolating too much.
0: I was wondering about that party because like, I was wondering about her, her relationship with, with Xander. And I was also wondering why this like one random person is trying to make a video game about him. And she's there, too. But yeah. yet they're saying like we're trying to keep a low profile after, you know, this big crime. Like how low profile are you getting when you got like <laughs> the press there and like all these people there? You may or may not know them.
2: Well, and you know, uh, uh, a random gangster in Czechoslovakia is a huge fan of him. He's very, obviously very obscure, right? <laughs> Never been seen at all. Welcome to the Sanderson! <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny.
0: <laughs> Vin Diesel's line delivery in that scene, like, every line he says is brilliant.
1: <laughs> okay, so so Rob Roy has eight credits on IMDb, uh, and here are some of his character names. Was he in Rob Roy? Uh, no. Uh, FBI agent number two, Navy SEAL, Policeman, Navy SEAL, inmate, and then funeral director. <laughs> so,
0: <laughs> In his late age.
1: Like. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, what do we have next? Uh, we have Spider Stickman, Billy Bats Douchebag, and the Robert Forster Most Punchable Face Award. And we're going to start
2: with Zach. Well, obviously, the most punchable face is Q. I don't know his actual name. David Shavers agent, agent shavers. shavers thank you yeah. because because vin diesel says to him you ever get <laughs> punched here. in the face for talking too much yeah <laughs> so that kind of that kind of uh, says everything you need to know in the movie uh right there uh i you know i, I mean obviously i i don't know what other uh, stickman you can really find in this movie other than xander but i will say that senator hotchkiss is being accompanied by a woman and if he's railing against the video game and rap in skateboarding industries, that probably means he's taken a few bribes here or there. And, you know, I think um, uh, I think I think he's he's pretty corrupt and he's got lots of women. So uh, I, I think I'm going to go with Senator Hotchkiss. I mean, he's got the car to compensate, right? Who's your douchebag? Oh, uh, also Senator Hotchkiss banning video games and rap music and skateboards is not a way to solve our problems in 2002 and defeat the terrorists well see his biggest
0: douchebag move is he picks up the phone and he drops his entire title california
1: state senator hotchkiss somebody just stole my car <laughs> it's like that is a douchebag move <laughs> see i had him down as the most punchable face and i i just wrote him down as senator dick because
2: mm, that is his don't name. be a dick dick so yeah. and you can see you can see Jesse Pinkman saying that line. I mean that 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 screams Jesse Pinkman.
1: Hey yo, don't be a dick, Dick.
2: <laughs> he would say bitch.
1: Yeah, but... don't be a bitch, Dick. <laughs> <laughs> uh all right. So my other ones I had um my stick man was Xander because I mean for obvious mm. reasons uh, my douchebag is I think I have the right character name here I went with Agent McGrath I think he's the other guy that that Xander punches early on and then is always like walking around the broken oh no he crystal. got headbutted oh headbutted yeah yeah yeah. Uh, yeah
0: And Xander is handcuffed and he headbutts him <laughs>
2: yeah
1: yeah he's a he. yeah but he looks like he he deserved it so he might be most punchable too but uh, yeah that's what I'll go with Todd what do you got
0: uh stick man i mean Yorgy is also probably a stick man he does have just like random women like in basically no clothing dancing around up in the mountains uh he probably is getting it in quite a bit and also tony hawk which also makes me think that the the lady making the video game actually came there with tony hawk it was probably plus his plus one or something if it was actually an official party um the biggest douchebag i have uh colia because I don't know, he's got all the scientists dying and he makes fun of them for how they were choking to death. That seems like a pretty big douchebag That's move.
1: a great call. That is a great call.
0: And the other most punchable face is, of course, the guy reading the Financial Times because he gets, like, I think he gets butted by the like his own rifle or his own <laughs> shotgun. And he he, he, he I mean, he was given a terrible performance, holding the, the Financial Times at the perfect angle that he could read that. He deserved that, and yeah, his face after that looked like it deserved another punch too.
1: All right, best scene. Todd.
0: Ah, uh, okay. There's a lot. Um. <laughs> All
1: right, then we'll come back to you. We'll go. I'll go first. Then I'll okay. go first. You'll go last. Okay. Uh, I I said the opening. Just just the whole thing with the Corvette and jumping it off the bridge and everything choreographed to make that happen. That was pretty cool.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I mean that is probably. I think that was probably the whole trailer of the movie. I, I feel like I don't think there was anything in like in Czech Republic
2: in the trailer. Like that was was that basically that scene. Yeah, Zach, that- I'm gonna go Danny Trejo. I, I've I already mentioned it, but <laughs> every new every movie needs a Danny Trejo scene like that. That is a the pitch perfect example of how to do that scene. I don't understand why they fly to Colombia. I mean, is that ever explained in the movie? Like, was that, that was part of the exercise, right? It's, it's an It was another test, yeah. So yeah, where did they, they get they,
1: the real blood from?
0: Well, I mean, it yep. was a real situation. They said they sent them in as decoys before the actual, uh, the Colombian army was coming Which in. Which almost got it.
1: McGrath punched again.
0: <laughs> yeah. He's like, oh yeah,
1: it was my idea.
0: <laughs> He's like, I sent you in as a decoy. Boom. <laughs> Right, I mean, uh, the one part of that scene that doesn't make sense is, like, is, how does Xander actually unhook himself? Because he was hanging from a rope, which was tied to, a like, a chain, and the chain was around a bar. But he, all he does is go up and does a flip, and somehow he's unhooked. I, I, I don't know how he got himself undone, especially because he's been hanging there forever. He could have gotten, gotten out at any point. That's a valid know. point.
2: Yeah, that's the one thing. I'm sure it's the one. That's the one thing that is the. Uh, it's the only flaw in, in this movie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing that Rob Cohen can't can't get to sleep at night. He's thinking about you know he couldn't get off that chain, man. That was the one mistake. Should have accounted for that.
1: All right, Todd. What's the best scene?
2: Uh,
0: okay. I mean, I I love uh, the big. Uh, the big nightclub scene where, where cage actually goes and uh, infiltrates Yorgi's like big party or something. (laughs) When they first get there, he's cause uh, he's like, like he's starting to get the low down on him. And then he just like takes off like mid like second sentence. And then he, he goes up and he gives everything away. And yeah, I mean, cage in that scene is absolutely owning it. He knew exactly how it was going to go because he's like, these are my people. Like, I know, I know how to deal with criminals. Like, I don't know. I mean, I don't know rich people, but I know criminals, (laughs) you know? It's he, like when he,
1: Pinkman walks off with the shovel and starts digging a hole. Oh yeah, I know meth heads. That,
0: that's a good mm-hmm. point, mm-hmm. <laughs> man. That, yeah, that Aaron Paul uh, choice is looking better. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't. I mean, and that seems great. I mean, and obviously Colia just is like a super fan. Like they are talking so loud right behind them, and they're like, "Wait, I'm trying to listen to like what what <laughs> what Xander's actually saying to this guy." And then and then he's like, "Is he gonna hump my leg?" And he's like, "What is your name?" <laughs> I know it. Like I don't, that, that scene's great. I mean, there's a ton of great scenes. Like it's a, basically a series of great scenes.
1: The other one I had written down was the diner.
0: The diner scene, of course. Well, I mean, both diner scene. I guess the other one isn't really a diner. Like the one where they Xander and Yelena are out when the Kirill c- is out, like kind of sniping.
1: Yeah, that's a good one too. All right, what's the regal quote of the movie? We we've thrown some out there.
2: I have one that hasn't been said yet that I think is the most obvious one. Well, I mean, you have. Well, I have a few too. Okay, go go for it, Zach. It mine is obvious. It's the things I, I'm going to do for my country.
1: That's that's the one I have down too. The things yeah. I'm going to do for my country.
2: Well, then you also got Danny Trejo saying that's the
0: last thing you're gonna smell because I mean he's yeah, <laughs> he's <in the> <laughs> Like in, instead of <laughs> "You broke my heart, Fredo" or something, you could say that. <laughs> so it's, or it's,
1: instead of he just needs to say something else. He need, after he instead of shaking the the cup, he he says that because <laughs> yeah. he's yeah. eating his popcorn. But that I also have
0: face. one that couldn't be because there's the curse word and is
1: "I live for this shit." Yeah, that was that was a good one too. I I, I was thinking that one too.
2: Or so welcome many... to the Xander Zone, <laughs> but that's too oddly specific. <laughs> Yeah, that yeah, is pretty stupid. So, yeah,
1: well, the 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 guy, instead of saying, This is the beginning of a beautiful friendship at the end, he should just say, Welcome to the Xander Zone. It could work. <laughs> it could work.
0: <laughs> oh, that would be like my dream of what the commercial is like. <laughs> <laughs> that, that nerdy guy with the crazy hair, Welcome to the Xander Zone. As a Which movie's about is to start. Nice. <laughs> Which is nice.
1: Uh, all right if there have been sequels so i haven't seen any of the sequels have you guys seen any of the sequels
0: yeah i i mean i watched them the the one with ice cube is not good i mean it's legitimately not a good movie the but um the, the one with where uh diesel comes like, back return is watchable
1: cage? isn't that the, like the literal name of the movie is return yeah. of xander cage
0: yeah it's watchable
1: okay so, do you have any any ideas for sequels or spinoffs or anything like that?
0: I mean, there is still another one coming
1: out. That's the thing. That's true. This is true.
0: I don't. I don't know. I mean, I don't really have like from the, the characters in here. I can't really think
2: of what else
1: besides something with Eve.
2: Yeah. Well, I thought I thought an obvious um, spinoff would be with the bald guys uh, that he is in prison with. I don't know if they survived, though, but I did want to recast them. I came up with at least a few people that I could recast as those characters. I wrote down, because I forgot to say this earlier in my recasting. I said Dennis Franz, George Costanza, Larry Fine, and Don Zimmer. <laughs> what, the guys he goes to Columbia with? Yeah, the bald guys.
0: <laughs>
2: what, what year are we talking about? Like 1970? Oh, it's, it's kind of open-ended, you know. But they but they could be they they would make great actors in that scene. And that's a good Who's the, who's the one that wants to steal the, the coca plants? Definitely be... Dennis France.
0: <laughs> that's what I was thinking too. I was thinking
1: that too. <laughs> Ooh, another good one. I think Yorgi, another good uh, recasting for Yorgi is uh, Anthony Kerrigan.
0: Anthony Kerrigan. No. Yeah. I, think. Yeah. I mean he does belong in this movie somewhere. He, does, he probably is more Maybe of a Yorgi.
1: Yeah, or, or uh, the 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 sniper guy. What's okay. his name? Kareel.
0: Kareel. Yeah. I nobody knows the names of the characters. He
1: just, I know. it's <laughs> <laughs> because they never use their names. He he. I I feel like he just needs to be his own. Like NoHo Hank just needs to be in Yorgi's posse. <laughs> I think that's what needs to happen here. He
0: basically is a Bond villain anyway, so I mean he. he I
1: he pretty much is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, pretty much,
0: how I'm gonna take over the world. So.
1: Yeah. Season two finale of uh of our Barry show coming out this week. Check it out. We have some good no ho Hank talk. About, you know, going on Amazon to buy a heroin table. Um, Your episode
0: about uh, Ronnie and Lily, or what is that? Was it called?
1: Yeah, so. Ronnie Lily. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that uh, that, that that is that is quite the episode. <laughs> that, that, like I remember Bill Hader saying that he they just found that girl and they're like this girl is like she's perfect, like she's a freak. <laughs> like <laughs> we, have to, we have to do this. Like,
1: <laughs> oh Zach, you need to watch Barry. Okay, uh, flaws, outdated conspiracy theories, anything before we wrap this up?
0: Uh, I just want to say I think that this movie is what inspired the people that are in charge of the fast and furious movies to actually go with it where or where they did with it because it's basically taking these like criminals and making them like the government recruiting them on their unique set of criminal skills in order to complete missions for them that is exactly what the fast and furious movies did with after this came out when they realized a that their own, set of skills their own street racing thing wasn't really working with the sequel so they they decided to go this route and it worked and they brought Vin Diesel in and it worked
1: so what you're saying is uh, Fast & Furious 4 through 10 are sequels to Triple X
0: That could be sequels. a conspiracy, yeah. I mean, Xander easily could still he could be Dominic Toretto.
1: <laughs> I mean, pretty much, pretty much. He went into hiding and turned into Xander Cage and then pop back up in Tokyo. All right. I'm sure
0: that'd be in hiding. <laughs> <laughs> all
1: right. Zach, did you have anything?
2: Uh, yeah, I had a few things. Um, I wanted to say, uh, first of all, Ah, uh, the binoculars in this movie—they're um, PG thirteen binoculars. Yes, somehow they—they're they ha- such an advanced <laughs> technology that you actually can't see the genitalia. It still preserves yeah. the decency. It's like they were designed by Senator Hoskins or something.
0: Goes bone to clothes.
2: <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, uh, Samuel L. Jackson says in this movie that Xander relays information so much information that even sees the favorite foods of. The Check the, the Anarchy 99. I paused that shit a few times. I did not find any of their favorite food. This was a very important plot point for me. I did find out that one of them worked in a tobacco plant, apparently, but that's not food. Um, I don't know. It felt like that was that was a loss. A lot of product placement in this movie. God bless the early 2000s. We got Motorola, Lufthansa, Kodak. Curiously enough, no product placement for the fur because there's like a lot of it in this movie. Um, I really—it's probably cold in Czechoslovakia, which brings me to another point, which is that there's an avalanche going on in Czechoslovakia, but apparently in Prague it's summertime. I'm not sure how that works. (laughs) That's Um, a good one. I liked the band-aids on the motorcycles. I love that. No one asks, why are you putting the band-aids on the motorcycles? I also love that the band-aids it's such a sophisticated technology and yet it doesn't, it, it's, it's, it's an amazing explosive device on a band-aid and yet a detonator is a detonator. feels like there was like some, some sort of lost communication there. I and like those the
1: band-aids were totally red light, green light gum from mission impossible.
2: Yes, that's, that sounds right. I'll go with that. Um, <laughs> I also, uh, let's see, I was going to say one more thing. Um, Oh, the surprise party at the beginning of the movie is a little bit like the surprise party for Michael Dorsey at the beginning of Tootsie. I was looking for the old lady playing the piano. I missed that part. And then um, I like the, sets the record early two thousand movie for for reading from a manual in a climactic chase scene. There's (laughs) quite a bit of that with some pen, some some really bad handwriting there. Um, Wasn't expecting that. Last thing I'll say, this movie had a, key, a few overlaps with Uncut Gems, um, mostly in the helplessly staring at the scientists in the, in the glass that felt very much like the last 30 minutes of Uncut Gems. And the, and the ending had the same motion graphics that Uncut Gems had, too. It w- like went into some sort of primitive CGI thing with some cool motion graphics and kind of did a 2002 version of the end of Uncut Gems. So I appreciate that. See, the watching the scientists
1: died, that was the rock.
2: Yeah, well, The Rock is the whole last thirty minutes of this movie. I also wrote down good drinking game. Um, uh, insert shots of gargoyles <laughs> as this as the city almost comes to the, to an end. We're gonna miss those gargoyles.
1: Yeah, that's a good one. That's good. All right, Dad, you disappeared there for a little bit,
2: so I don't think you heard all those. All right, I you didn't pro- hear anything that it, Zach it's said. Probably, so. it w- okay. You You did not miss anything. If If anything, I envy where you are.
1: <laughs> well,
0: I'll, All hear, right. I'll hear it when it's released.
1: <laughs> LVP, MVP, and then uh, we'll wrap this up with a quote. Uh, I'm going to go first. My LVP is... I, I, I almost went with Shavers because of how bad his handwriting was in his manual and how he didn't do anything that was going to help Ahab. Uh, but instead just the Gibbons test in general is mm-hmm. is Lvp. Um, mm-hmm. because it it's just a catchphrase for Samuel Jackson and he doesn't need one. The Wouldn't MVP been... is I going... know
2: because it makes no sense. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't. it doesn't. Wouldn't that have been the twenty twenty two title of this movie? The, Gibbons, the test? Gibbons test. That would have been the Netflix title. It
0: Probably. sounds like a Nicolas Cage movie in mid two thousands.
1: The MVP is the soundtrack. Yes. I mean that it yeah. is a
0: it's brilliant music,
1: it, it's great. <laughs> you gotta love that soundtrack. All right, uh, we'll go to Zach next.
2: All right, um, my MVP of this movie, um, let me see here. I don't really have an MVP. Um, I okay, I'm gonna go with Jada Pinkett Smith for not playing Triple X because then Chris Rock would have gotten punched again. My LVP of this movie because you know, bald LVP of this movie. Oh, Bad c- CGI. Oh, oh, <laughs>
1: <laughs> that was so far over my head, but that...
2: <laughs> I, I wrote it down. I don't uh, <laughs> worth a shot.
1: So we're taking shots at Jada Pinkett Smith and Peter Dinklage.
0: No, but shes he's giving her MVP, though. She's the MVP for not taking MVP. the
1: role. MVP. Um, yeah, for not taking the role. But Peter Dinklage definitely should have. Oh, man. Okay, continue.
2: <laughs> oh, I just said uh, bad CGI for the LVP. Oh,
1: okay. All right.
2: <laughs> Todd. Uh, my
0: LVP is Lee Tamahori, who is the director of the sequel, and, all, and basically all of his movies suck. I mean, he's a... Um, He's uh he's the LVP. and the MVP Can he
1: direct Die Another Day.
0: Yeah, the same year, I think, or maybe Didn't the year. Did he do after. also yeah, Once
1: Were Warriors? I don't know. I that's, a good,
0: that's a good movie. Met. Well, he also directed Next and uh Die Another Day and along came a spider and uh I don't the know. Edge. Yeah, and the sequel to this movie, so um he's the LVP and my MVP I don't know. I mean, I want to say video games, just because, like, especially the the scene on the going down the side of the mountain is as video game of a movie scene as I've ever seen. But I also want to say Ebert because he championed this movie and gave it three and a half stars and made people watch it. Like Zach, who who would not have agreed to do this if he hadn't seen it
1: already. Yes. All right. Quote of the daytime. time. Uh, let's see here. We'll start with Zach. <laughs>
2: Well, obviously the the quote of the day is try walking into a deli and urinating on the cheese. (laughs) Something I I say and think quite often during the day. (laughs) Very wise Academy Award nominated dialogue. It's really yeah, some great banter in this movie.
1: I'll go next. I actually have a quote from this movie that we haven't said yet. Uh, And it's Xander Cage. And he looks at, at the guys and goes, you have a bazooka, dude. Stop thinking Prague police and start thinking PlayStation. Blow shit up. I thought yes. it was a good line. It was a fun one. That
0: was a good line.
1: <laughs> All right, Todd, wrap us up. All right,
0: All right I have two. Uh, one one of them comes from the movie. It's uh, uh, Gibbons. He says, why, why is it always the assholes that pass the test? And I feel that every time I don't win trivia. And um, <laughs> uh, the other comes from this... Uh, Movie critic named Matthew Turner uh, from View London, whose uh, review of this movie said, "It may be stupid, but it knows it's stupid. It drags in the middle and could have been twenty minutes shorter." And that is absolutely yeah, this podcast. That's
2: part podcast.
0: Yep,
1: <coughs> nicely done. It. All right. Well, that is episode one hundred and ninety-nine. We'll be back with episode two hundred, or should I say episodes two hundred? Because our plan is it's 200 oh, so we're gonna have two
0: are we talking about this
1: episode 200 we're talking about this well we said we were going to at the beginning you know back two and a half hours ago that we were going to talk about this
2: somehow yeah. i think we're not going to deep dive triple x2 right
1: no that, that would make so. an
2: amazing episode but that,
1: that could be episode 299 i know it doesn't make any sense but it doesn't have to because it's our podcast so there you go
0: it may be stupid but it knows it's stupid
1: exactly it's 20 and it's minutes, 20 too, minutes long. too long <laughs> drags in the middle
0: yep.
1: <laughs> well thanks so much for listening we'll be back at you then with episode 200 have fun watching movies and we'll catch you on the flip side despite your crass behavior I'm glad we were able to do this together